Well, good evening, uh, wrestling fans. Welcome to Hager Stephan Hershey's Elder High School Wrestling Weekly, hosted by the Double Eagle here at Cross Creek once again, live from the uh, Double, Double Eagle Clubhouse Grill. Nick Coons in the house now, too. Dane, uh, we're joined by state champions at times, but tonight, joined by parents of a state champion in the house, Mr. and Mrs. Sheets. Very excited to have them here. A nice crowd. They said they had it on their bucket. They said they had it on their bucket list. And what's the, what's on the table? A bucket. There you go. I like it. I like it. Well, obviously, Rex. The first thing we're going to talk about tonight is regional. Yesterday, a did little we, bit of a. Did a, we have a regional yesterday? A little bit of a delayed start. I tell you what, all those years of starting at eight thirty, the noon start wasn't bad. No, it wasn't bad. It's was easy to get there. But then end of the day, it's like we got home kind of late. I was used to you know early afternoon, but uh, we're hanging home to like six thirty ish. Well, I got home a lot later than you because I made a trip through, I don't even know, I went through petroleum. When was the last time you were in petroleum? About two weeks ago. Okay. Petroleum. It's petroleum. And then I went through, I can't remember where else I went through. Panito and petroleum? Yeah, I did. I stopped at the four-way stop at Panito and then made my way to Bluffton. (laughs) Saw a 25 to 21 girls basketball game. Is that the one I listened to to, uh, Matt? I I heard you called in. I texted him. Okay. Okay. I said, dude, we've had wrestling matchups with bigger scores than that, and he gave me a laughy face. We did. It was What was the score between Somerset yesterday? It was, was 18 like, to 16 it was like 30, and then the fall? It's like 35 points. It was ridiculous. I mean, I tell you what, there were some matches there yesterday, just incredible matches. A couple of big upsets here and there, but uh, I, we talked to the uh, our guests of the night, and they said they came through. Not too many surprises for them, but uh, I tell you what, the, the uh, Jay County Regional uh, – I think it has to be dealt with at the 4 and semi-state as one of the powers coming through there. Yeah, we're going to see. I think they're the deepest from top to bottom. Uh, when it comes to champs, we'll see. But I, I'm pretty excited about where our regional is going to end up. Obviously, we're going to talk a little bit about brackets so, later on. But So, so what if you're a 138-pounder uh, and you're the champion at Peru and come out and have to wrestle a Garrenser or a Dylan Tuttle? First round. Yeah. It's, it, it, it was a real deep weight class. And uh, I was kind of hoping for Litchfield and Garrenser, but I give all the credit to Cameron Clark, man. Cameron yeah, Russell was a great match. It was a really good weight class, and uh, it, it's always nice to see the best two guys from one sectional wrestle the best two guys from the other sectional and, and go head-to-head, but it's kind of funny that it ended up with the two guys from the Jay County sectional of finals and, the, and, and Tuttle and uh, Garrenser in for third and fourth, but those are four guys. Any of those four guys could be state qualifiers. This time next week. You know, I, before we went on the air, I was talking to uh, the, the two Delta guys, and, uh, you know, their, their guy got taken out by Litchfield. But we talked about in the last month, Litchfield has just been wrestling like this high off the ground. He's just been at a whole nother level, and he's, he's dialed in. And, I mean, if you can carry that through the rest of the season, I, I think he's, he's got a good chance of going a long way. For sure. So the rundown of the show tonight, we'll talk a little bit about what the semi-state and state tournaments are going to look at from a standpoint, uh, a fan uh, standpoint as far as ticket sales and start times and those types of things and how to tur- uh, per- purchase tickets. We're also going to look at Team State and some changes in who is in what class and the effects that that has on Belmont and Adams Central and South Adams. Then we're going to interview the head coach of the Delta Eagles, Cody LeCount, and talk to him about his high school career and his uh, start of his new coaching career and what Delta has in the future. Then we're going to bring in his assistant coach, Jacob Gray, another state champion. Since David Locke couldn't make it, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to gush over David for a little bit, I guess, <laughs> and then talk to Jacob about some of the guys on the 
on the Delta team and preview some of the draws for semi-state. And we're also going to ask them uh, how you get a uh, premier wrestling facility like they have at Delta High School now. For sure. I want to learn more about that. And then we're going to dive deeper into the brackets that have apparently been released on uh, Indiana Map. They're not official yet on the IHSAA. As far as we know, I did get a call from the assistant commissioner, and uh, they're not going to be released officially until Tuesday morning. But Joe says he's got the formula, so we'll give credit to Joe for putting that out there. Adds a little bit of drama to the first couple days of the week here, but that's what we need now without a team semi-state to look forward to. We got we got to talk about those things. So worst case, he's off by five percent, maybe. We'll see. We'll see. And then in overtime, we'll take a look at WZBD's schedule for the rest of the week. It's a really busy week. It wasn't supposed to be, but all the snow last week pushed a bunch of girls' basketball games into tomorrow and Tuesday. We'll talk a little bit more about tickets for state because Helen, I know you're listening and you want to learn more. <laughs> and then we'll talk about state brackets next week. Uh, don't worry about the Super Bowl next Sunday. We're talking about state brackets. We're talking about Mike Gable. There's nothing better. The Super Bowl is just going to be the halftime show is nothing. When you got Mike Gable and Greg Rakestraw on TV, that's the main event. So, Rex, what's your biggest takeaway from yesterday's regional? I think for Belmont, I, I'm just so excited for Blake Luganbill and Austin Christner. Two great wins in the opening rounds. Luganbill. You know, Nobody looked at him at the beginning of the year and said, well, there's a guy who's going to be a semi-state qualifier. Uh, and even after the good performance that he had at the Al Smith and, and the, the matches that he wrestled well at Team State, I'm not sure anybody said, oh, he'll be a semi-state qualifier. Then you look at his bracket, and we're going to look at that in the third period. Holy cow, he didn't, he didn't have any state-ranked guys in his quarter bracket. You know, you look at that whole weight class, and at 26, you know, um, with, with Cook and Wood, who met last week in the finals, they met at the ACAC Conference Finals, and those guys are just a class above. And the Delta guys brought some guys in. But Luganville wrestled a great match. I mean, he didn't panic, got to the end, hit a Granby, and it didn't get the Granby, but catches his head and arm and gets uh, reversal and near fall. Didn't need the near fall, but gets reversal near fall. He started at Granby, <clears throat> maybe seven seconds left to go in a match, and gets it. And the, the kid just like, you know, I think it was Daleville kid, I think. But uh, it, was just, it was just a great win for for the – those are, those are the fun moments when you're on the radio to call matches like that. And uh, I got a little excited when Timo got the fall there in the first period. He was on his back. He was being cradled, Austin Christner, and all of a sudden it's Austin with the with, with the cradle and the fall, and he ends up coming back and, and pinning Maverick Somerset. Somerset goes from second place last year or last week in the finals and then is a tough luck loser in the semis and then ends up getting pinned by Christner and taking fourth. But... You know, but that move for Austin Christner down to 170 really benefited him, I think. You know, I'm, I'm talking to the, the Delta guys. How exciting was that semi-match between Russell and, and Somerset? Probably not nearly as exciting for them. They were probably crapping their pants at one point. You know, J, J, um, Jacob's going, what are you doing? Don't get close to him. Don't get thrown a lateral drop with, like, no time left on the clock. Well, I think that the biggest decision that, that these two had – was after he called the stalling and the two-point stalling, there was like seven seconds left, and all of a sudden they had to choose position. And you had been thinking the whole time, you're thinking stalling, stalling, avoid stalling, get stalling, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, crap, now i got to decide where I want to go. And, of course, they picked down, and then Somerset immediately lets him up, and, and, and the rest went the way that it did. But it was, it was wild, and it was loud, and it was probably 
for everybody involved, for the whole atmosphere. Obviously, for Belmont fans, we're talking about Christner, but for the for everybody that was in attendance, that was probably the most exciting match of the, of the entire tournament. And coaches, you know that someplace somebody's double. They're they're questioning your guests. You're saying, I mean, we've had that on the air. We're sitting there, and you know, one year when uh, we had uh, uh, Kyle Lawson was wrestling against. Uh, Chacon, Chacon, and he'd been ridden, and they go third period, and Lawson take him down three times, and then he takes it down. I was like, "What, what, what are you doing? What, what are you doing? You not happen? Remember, half that first two minutes? Yeah." Hey, nobody handles screen printing and apparel like Team Montrewear in Bluffton, providing high quality and creative apparel for South Adams football, <coughs> Belmont wrestling, and many others in our area. Team Montre takes all the work coaches and volunteers used to do, taking orders and collecting money, and does that work for you. Set up an online store and let the local experts at Team Mantra take care of the rest. From custom designs to a wide array of apparel and gear, Team Mantra is your home for all your team apparel needs. Visit the brand new location for Team Mantra Wear on Main Street in Bluffton or contact them online at TeamMantraWear.com. Today, give a shout-out to uh, our boy uh, Grant Mosier, listening as always. We always throw in that punchline. Anybody who can find apparel and make Grant Mosier look good, Give them your business. I have to get the name of your go-to person because I've, I've got the uh, High School Wrestling Weekly shirt right here. Okay. I know what it's like. Let's go with it. So with that, we're going to send it back to the studio. Steve Rouse running aboard for us here on a Sunday night with a round of commercials. We'll be back with our first guest right after this. Hi, this is Joel at Decatur Package Liquors, locally owned since 1965. I promise competitive prices and the best service in town. Stop in and ask me for details about our new Beer of the Month Club with all our great variety. We offer bulk buy discounts for weddings, graduation parties, and other big celebrations. Special orders are also available and highly recommended. Don't forget about Wine Wednesday where you get the best savings. Decatur Package Liquor, it's located right on 13th Street. Come on guys, it's where your friends shop. Independently owned and operated, Haggard Sefton Hershey and Zelt Funeral Home, located in the heart of downtown Decatur, has been serving the funeral needs of Adams County and the surrounding area for over 114 years. Whether it's at need, a prearrangement, or a monument sale, our small staff is here to provide comfort in your time of need and make our home feel like an extension of your home as we assist you in honoring the life of your loved one. Brad Weber proudly supports the WZBD Wrestling Coaches Show. He also supports youth football in Adams County as a board member of the Decatur Football League and president of Belmont Cadet Football, giving our youth the chance to learn the great game of football. Some of the best football players in our area have also been fantastic wrestlers. That's why famous coaches like Joe Gibbs and John Madden always wanted wrestlers on their team. Find out more about youth football opportunities by giving Brad a call at 452-7045 or email bw at bradweberlaw.com. Welcome back to the Hager Stephan Hershey's Yale High School Wrestling Weekly, hosted by the Double Eagle here at Cross Creek once again, uh, live at the Double Eagle Clubhouse Grill and Dane tonight. Special shrimp and wings. Last week had wings. This week was a shrimp, fresh out of St. Mary's, and they were wonderful. I had the hottest cheese curds I've had all season. <laughs> they were the and, temperature uh, they, of lava. <laughs> they were. They were good though. You get a little ranch on there. It's exactly what I need. So we are joined by the head coach of the Delta Eagles, Mr. Cody LeCount. Welcome to the show, Coach. Thanks for having me. And I don't know, Rex, have you ever seen the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Uh, George bits, Clooney? Bits and pieces. We were, we were setting up Saturday, yesterday, before we ever got started, and we started talking about the show. And I said, we don't have a guest for tomorrow. I said, well, we'll ask them fellas. That's exactly what they say on <laughs> Oh Brother, If you had been in the other corner, somebody else had been a guest, yeah, but you were no, right we there. We could have been talking to Monroe Central coaches right now. Right place, right time. <laughs> you were, No. 
uh, we're glad to have you on the show, and uh, I, I've enjoyed working with you through Team State, getting you guys the uh, invite to 2A. I know we were talking earlier over food. It didn't turn out quite like you wanted, but I, I still think you guys reasserted yourselves into the 2A scene, and I think going forward, a lot of the coaches that are involved in that tournament know that they're going to have to deal with Delta for years to come. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, we're a young team, so I think we've got a lot of uh, improvement to go forward. We only lose one senior. So um, just putting our foot back out there and making a, a footprint um, for everyone in this area, and 2A is the goal for us going forward. So, so the Delta coaching staff, as I remember it, uh, up until two years ago, seemed pretty fluid, and, 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 and <clears throat> fluid's not the right the word, it's the opposite. Uh, what's the what's the opposite of fluid? I know the German word for it. I can't let's let's just say every Anyways, year they had a new coach. That's how. That's what. And then means. last year you guys had a new coach in, in Mosier, yep. and then all of a sudden I heard, hey, Cody LeCount's been hired as the new the new coach at Delta. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how that happened? Um, I took the job right at the beginning of April of last year, so I've almost been here a full year now. I was the assistant for three years at Carmel. Um, I'd always wanted to be a head coach somewhere. Why? Um, Why? That's crazy. You, I know, right? It's crazy, man. I know. You could have been Ed's assistant for forever. I know, right? <laughs> I always said I grew up watching the state finals. And I wrestled in the state finals, and I said I wanted to coach in the state finals. So that was always a goal of mine, and I just love, obviously, giving back to the sport. But um, once I started looking and finding some jobs and some opportunities of what was out there, there was plenty of openings. There always is every year. But uh, my dad had just moved out to the Muncie area about five or six years ago. They lived two miles from the high school. I helped out some. When I was in college, when I would come home and visit my dad, so I started to grow kind of with that community as well. So I just felt like it was a perfect fit for me. On top of, as you guys were talking earlier, the facilities was obviously a big, uh, big help. Also. In the in the history, nobody's going to question. Yep. Oh, we're going to take wrestling serious at Delta now. Yep. No, yep. I mean wrestling has has been serious at Delta for a long time. So so how do you go from? Ref, wrestling in Indianapolis where you can't fall out of bed with Landon on another high school because they're like every other block corner yep. to go out where you get to Delta, you drive about 20 miles in any direction and you, before you run into any mm -hmm. schools. I mean, yeah. is that kind of a culture shock for you, a change? Not really. I, so I grew up in uh, Elwood, Indiana my entire life. Elwood. Before I moved to Paramuridian in uh, middle school, I actually went to Madison Grant. So I kind of lived out in this area. I knew it was kind of like, and uh, so nothing new for me there. So, Okay, so uh, looking back, I, I wanted to make sure that I had all my facts right, and I was looking it up. 184-2 and two <laughs> at Perry Meridian. That's, that's three careers for I most do remember, guys. I do remember some really intense matches at the Belmont Super Duel. Yep. I don't remember if you remember any of those. Yep, a couple. And uh, I, if I remember right, there was a match – against Tommy Forte Correct. in the Belmont Super Duel. And I remember at one point, <clears throat> I don't remember who Belmont was wrestling at the time, but it was Mishawaka and Perry Meridian, and they stopped the Belmont match. And everybody, everybody in the old gym stopped and watched you two wrestle. So that match is actually still on YouTube, and you can actually see that, where the corner part is where the whole Belmont team was actually watching this match. Yeah, it was at the end of the day, so... The, the, the Belmont Super Duel, back in those days and the 10 or 15 years prior, was a heck of a lot of fun. And I do remember that pretty vividly. But a state champ in 2013 and 2014. So, like you said, you've been to the state finals. You've wrestled in the state finals. Now you want to coach in the state finals. Tell us a little bit about the boys that you have now at Semi-State who you're hoping to take to that Parade of Champions next week. Yeah, we've got five guys, um, one senior, and then we've got four 
um, that are underclassmen, one one freshman and and uh, three sophomores. So um, it's going to be fun and exciting for them. I think a lot of them it's going to be something new, um, new experience. We've only got two guys that were there last year, no guys that have ever even made the state finals. Um, but I think they're excited and they're rolling right now. Um, for all of our young kids and our team, um, we had 10 freshmen, sophomores in the starting lineup as a whole. Um, we only graduate one senior, like I talked about before. We've got a young middle school team as well. I mean, we've got 35 kids on our middle school team, and 15 of them are sixth graders. So this team is young from top to bottom, from our youth program all the way to our high school program. So we're going to continue to grow and try to make those numbers bigger and better for next year, where we have five now and we get six or seven next year. So and then eight or nine the next year after that. So, so I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit because we typically broadcast just about every Belmont match on the schedule. Yep. How close are we to getting Belmont and Delta back on the schedule together? Uh, when I was a kid growing up watching John Sheets wrestle, I remember one year we'd drive down there, mm -hmm. and then the next year we'd come up here and we'd root against Kirkhoff and all those guys. <laughs> Uh, and then that, you know, as Delta fell off the map a little bit in the in the 2010s, probably that match went away then, mm -hmm. and all we all we did was see each other at regional. Uh, we have any updates on on a Belmont Delta dual meet on a Thursday night next year or when, something? When you reached out to me about it, uh, saying that they wanted to get it back going, I was pretty excited uh, pretty excited about it myself. So I said something to my AD. I think a few weeks ago I got an email update from our AD about it, and he said, hey, if we want to make this happen, come see me after season. We can start to fix the schedule around there. So I think we'll probably get that happened at the end of the, at the, end of the year. So Well, we've had the, we've had the, uh, the, the pleasure of, of calling a couple of Adam Central Delta matches the last couple of years, and that's been a great dual meet between those two teams, whether it's been at Delta, and we've done it from there, and we've done it from the SAC at, at Adam Central. But to rekindle... And it's one of the things that Belmont did two years ago. I give credit to Coach Gunsett for this, getting Snyder back on the schedule and that traditional opponent in the Belmont schedule. Getting Delta back on just seems the right thing to do. You know, I started refereeing in 82, and um, that was when uh, Delta was making their runs, their five state championships, and I locked in and had a good couple of years of schedules where I was doing dual meets. And Brad Williamson and I were one year did the Delta-Indianapolis Cathedral match. And you couldn't have squeezed two more people in the gym if you had to. I mean, I guess there there'd been threats back and forth, and they'd sent black roses. The cathedral had sent them to Delta. This place was crazy, and I, I got this big match. And uh, in between periods, the cathedral crowd goes nuts. And I was like, what's going on here? I, I, I don't know what's happening. And, and uh, Bud Palmer Sr. pulls me over and said, Rex, I need to talk to my wrestler a minute. He comes back and said, that'll never happen again. What happened? Well, here, when I turned my back to flip the coin, he hid behind, he double-birded the, the uh, cathedral crowd, and they went nuts. And then they, I talked to Delta guys that told me, they said, yeah, we knew who that was. And it's like, I thought the place was going to erupt. It was just ridiculous. And, and that's those kind of old matches that to see a Belmont-Delta match come back, I think that's something that is, can only be positive. For sure. For both programs going forward, I think so, too. So before we end this session, I thought we would go through and look at, I don't know how much time you've spent on the new classifications between uh, team state classes. One of the things to keep in mind with team state is that they, they go ahead and they remove all the teams who don't have half a team. So you've got to have seven guys in your lineup to count 
for classification. So if you've got a program like, I don't know, how many guys did Randolph Southern have? Two. Just two guys. Yep. You know, they're not a team or a program who's competing as a team, so they're removed. Yep. So we take all of those teams out, and then we split it evenly into thirds. The Southern Wells is? Yeah. One, two, and three. And then we take that top three now, and we split it into 4A and 3A. But everything else stays the same. So I thought that it was interesting looking at enrollments, and I got the qualifications up here and not the enrollments, but one of the things that I thought was interesting was that Centerville moved up from 1A to 2A. And I found that really interesting because they wrestled really, really well in 1A this year. Um, now, oh, team classification. Here it is. And, you know, typically 1A has kind of been dominated by Adam Central and Prairie Heights, but some of the other teams that have done really, really well from there have been the ones who have been the very biggest 1A teams, and some of those have moved up. And now, of course, I'm going to give Joe Caprino a hard time because now I can't <laughs> find the gosh darn thread because I was looking at the... He's, at the, he's slowing down the greatest talk show in the state of Indiana, wrestling talk show. I so. know. I'm sorry. <clears throat> but uh, did you notice anything from the, from the assignments for the classes? Um, I think Centerville was the biggest one that I'd seen that moved up. Other now, than that, I'm not sure. Now I found it. Okay. So 3A, uh, the smallest schools in 3A are Jasper, East Noble, and New Haven. So from a Belmont perspective, East Noble, New Haven, DeKalb, all of those schools, Columbia City, they're all up in 3A, most of the schools. So Belmont, practically the smallest, just Belmont, Norwell, and 2A. Uh, Ron Collier remains in 3A. They're one of the smallest 3A schools. In 2A, uh, up at the top, it's mostly the same schools. New Prairie stays 2A. Uh, Leo's been at, at Team State before, Wawasee. They're all in the top 10 of biggest 2A schools. Down at the bottom, though, schools that have wrestled in 1A team state, Southridge, they were at 1A this year. They're up to 2A. <coughs> Centerville, 1A to 2A. Rensselaer Central, they were 1A this year. They move up to 2A. They've been 1A the last two years. They've wrestled uh, Adam Central. So a couple of changes there that I think are pretty significant when you're looking at who's going to qualify in those types of things. And, and then as you were telling me the other day, Belmont, with a bunch of Seniors graduating, they were the 2A state champions. The regional champion, the sexual champion, may not get invited to Team State next year. But that's why those wins, and I know it's hard to get that perspective, but when you're looking at Team State scoring and you go, oh, Belmont moved up from 12th to 11th or 10th, that doesn't happen if Blake Luganbill doesn't score in the third period there. Yeah. It doesn't happen if, if, if Timo Austin doesn't get the, the pin in the first round. Those were underclassmen who went from sectional third placers, regional qualifiers, to now semi-state qualifiers. But, but I understand why you do that, because otherwise you end up like uh, Coach Culp at Columbia City, and you're, you qualify, and you, you come out and say, look, my team is not what it should be, and I don't want to go in there and take a spot that I don't think I deserve and go in there and not perform well, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bow out. And I think that's the admirable thing to do to make the tournament the strongest it can be. And 3A certainly <laughs> turned out to be pretty competitive this year couple of the, uh, you know, we talk about some of the teams that didn't get classified. There's some pretty big schools who didn't end up with seven wrestlers. South Bend Adams really struggled this year. Uh, Gary West, Crispus Addicts, East Chicago Central didn't have seven guys this year. The South Bend schools I know have really struggled. They're all on this list. Adams, Washington, Clay, none of them uh, qualified to have seven guys. So that really changed the classes because you've got five or six 
schools who would be 4A who aren't ended, ended up classified at all, and that bumps everybody up. By the way, uh, Indianapolis Cathedral would have ended up wrestling 3A had they not chosen to move up. Modern day would have been 2A. So with that, the first period has come to an end. We'll send it back to studio for a round of commercials. We'll be back with the second period right after these messages. Winter might be here, but that doesn't mean that we can't think about golf. Give Cross Creek Golf Club a call at 724-4316 or visit their website, crosscreekdecatur.com, for all of your off-season golf needs. Memberships and gift cards make great presents for the golfers in your life. Book an outing for this year, but hurry as they fill up fast. March is just right around the corner. Cross Creek, a proud supporter of Belmont Athletics and Belmont Wrestling. Hi, this is Jesse from Heller Nursery in Decatur, Indiana. We are celebrating 75 years in business with three generations of Hellers still working. During these winter months, we have a great selection of pottery and houseplants in our greenhouses. New shipments in weekly and stay up to date with Heller Nursery on Facebook. Stop in at Heller Nursery for a breath of fresh air. Don't forget, Heller Nursery is open seven days a week, including Sundays. Check out hellernursery.com for our spring tree and shrub options. Independently owned and operated, Haggard Sefton Hershey and Zelt Funeral Home, located in the heart of downtown Decatur, has been serving the funeral needs of Adams County and the surrounding area for over 114 years. Whether it's at need, a prearrangement, or a monument sale, our small staff is here to provide comfort in your time of need and make our home feel like an extension of your home as we assist you in honoring the life of your loved one. Welcome back to Hager Sefner Hershey's Elf High School Wrestling Weekly, hosted by Double Eagle here at Cross Creek. Once again, live from the Double Eagle Clubhouse Grill as we make our way into the second period as we've changed special guests. They rode up in the same car, but uh, we have our new guest, uh, Jacob Grave, assistant coach of the Delta Eagles. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> so uh, your name came up as we were going through. We watched Ike Rubel win a fourth regional title, and I got a, a, a text from... My buddy John Becker, or Bon Jecker, depending on what you call him. And uh, he said, hey, I, th I think Bryce was a four-time regional champ. I said, I don't think he was. And uh, you and Bryce Bumgartner had a, a pretty decent rivalry there for a couple of years. Yeah, we did. Uh, we actually grew up wrestling, like, practicing with each other a lot. Like when we were uh, like middle school and elementary and whatnot. But, yeah, we had a pretty good rivalry. We wrestled semi-state every year, it seemed like, and regionals every year, it seemed like. But it was fun, though. I loved wrestling. Man. So you bought me a lot of credit your senior year because <laughs> our pal, A.J. Bradley, I remember it well. It was your senior year, and I remember him texting me. He says, Dane, who's your dark horse? I said, Jacob Gray is going to be a state champion. I had it on my pick -em sheet, and I'm sure A.J. will text us here in the next 30 seconds to confirm. <laughs> I was with you all the way from Friday night on, and you ended up uh, – delivering and winning a state title and becoming the next state champion for, for Delta. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your memories from, from that year? Well, actually, during football that year, I dislocated my shoulder. And uh, that was kind of something I battled all year. Came out at Mooresville, had to wrestle Walton in the finals at Mooresville. He beat me, whatever, no big deal. But that Nathan, was kind of Nathan, something. Nathan Walton? Yeah, Nathan Walton. Yeah. Super, super tall yeah, and tall. lanky, remember him? And... Uh, <clears throat> But then I, after, like, regionals, I felt like I kind of started getting hot almost. But 
I really turned it on at the state tournament. I felt like I wrestled like some of the best wrestling I've ever wrestled, honestly. And uh, wrestling Lucas Davison in the finals. Uh, he's a good friend of mine, too. I grew up wrestling him a lot, him and Andrew both. But that was just a fun year. I had a lot of fun. And so how do you take that now as uh, an assistant coach? You're helping guys who are 14, 15 years old and just trying to, you know, crack the varsity lineup and they look up to you and, and they're reminded, oh, crap, he was a state champ. How does that transfer over to you as an assistant coach, having I, that success? I just try to make them have fun because, I mean, if you're having fun and it makes you kind of want to work harder almost, like they kind of start to buy in. The more fun you have, like make it fun, harder it seems like they want to work. Like our 170-pounder, one of the hardest working dudes on the team and just loves having fun. But that's just kind of my thing, just having fun. So we still have Coach LeCount here on us, and I'm going to ask you, um, what do you do to boost your state champion assistant coach numbers up? Because Belmont added two more this year, so we're at five. I know you get three, yourself, Jacob, and, uh, and uh, David Locke, but uh, what do you need? You need to load a few more up. You're still too short on Belmont. Well, we just start counting the team state titles as well. So. <laughs> no, they got to be individuals. But uh, what, what do you, I mean, what's it like to have that kind of coaching knowledge from state champions in your team? And, and how do you get those guys? You just don't, they just don't fall off the tree, I know. No, it's, uh, it's a pleasure of mine to have all these guys help me out because you just get different experiences from different coaches and I don't know. It's just awesome to have everybody together like that. I mean, your coaching staff is what makes your team. It's it's not just me. It's all the other guys behind the scenes. So to be able to have this type of help, I think, is just awesome as it is. So. Well, I know I, I've told this to Dane and both days on, on the radio all year long. I mean, with the addition of Billy Baker into the Belmont lineup, we've watched our heavier weights and upper weights just struggle to be competitive over the past few years. And we talk about Henry Kukulon. If you watch Henry Kukulon and and um, Keegan Martin wrestle, you'll see that Billy Baker influence there. I mean, the heavy hands, the slide buys, the throw buys. I mean, that is just a total positive that has been added into the team just by putting Billy Baker in the lineup because you can see his influence on them on a mat. So what does, uh, what does a practice look like for you guys? What are your specialties? We talk about David, and he didn't end up coming for the show, but w what's sort of his role as an assistant? I mean, he's just kind of like the moral support guy almost, but, I mean, I love Dave Locke. He, I mean, he tells us something we show wrong. I mean, he's most, one of the most knowledgeable guys about wrestling I know. Like, a, I mean, like showing single leg, like different ways to finish it that – I don't know. You or I never really finish it like that, but old school. Old school, baby. <laughs> it works. It still works. I think he's also kind of just like a little bit of the life of the team. He's uh, he's one of the funniest guys I think I know too. He's <laughs> yeah. he's a character, and if you ever need somebody to laugh or anything like that, it'll be like, hey, Locke, go talk to that guy. And he, he he can he can pick somebody up just like that. So. He's he's and, the mentor. He's the mentor yes, in a group. Yep. And you need guys like that. Mm -hmm. you, you, you need somebody who, who brings in that sort of attitude. We've talked to Coach Gaskell from South Adams before about the role that, that Barry Humble plays, where he just brings Barry Humble in to, to come in and, and coach kids up and be positive with them and make sure that they like being on the team. And sometimes I think as wrestling coaches – we fall into the trap of, of being just so hard on people. 
but we got to make sure that th- these kids enjoy coming back mm-hmm. and, and they look forward to it. And I think you can see that with certain teams, that their attitude is better because they've got positive people in the room with them. And I know Jesse's been on our show numerous times. Uh, usually he's our first guest of the season, as he always is. <clears throat> and he, he said that uh, Coach Humble asked him, what do you want me to do, Jesse? And he said, I work with their bodies. He said, I want you to work with their hearts and their minds. Mm-hmm. And, and Barry's like, well, I can do that. And he is, Barry's that mentor, you know, kid's having a bad day, thinks he's got a bad, just take him off the side, talk him up to him. And it's like, you got to keep those kids involved and uh, at the level that they need to participate because this is definitely that uh, 10% physical, 90% mental sport that it's, not, not all kids can do it. You can go out and be part of a football team and you're on a punt team and somebody screws up and it ain't me. All right. Well, you turn the lights out and you're wrestling in the state finals against uh, Davidson, there's one guy to do it and it's you. Yeah. Well, that's the thing before my state finals match. I don't know if you watched the face-off or not. I was laughing the whole time because <laughs> before that, me and Locke were joking around in the back, and I shouldn't – I'm not going to say what he was telling me <laughs> in the back, but <laughs> you probably get the gist. Save that, for the pod, save that for the podcast section. Yeah, we're just goofing off. Isn't that a moment, though, that, that you'll never forget? You're standing there. There's 10,500 people uh, on all sides of you, but it's – you and David and I can't for the life of me remember who was it. Gary. Gary, that's who it was. Schleesman. Uh, that was there. <laughs> and it's the three of you and you've spent how many years together working to get to that point and then all of a sudden, boom, there you are. Oh, yeah. It was just awesome. I mean, I gr- Gary started coaching me and I was probably fifth or sixth grade. Like he coached our middle school team. And then after my freshman year, he became the high school coach. And it just kind of. I always practice with them, even in the summer and everything. And I think that's something you, that's unique to wrestling. Uh, somebody, as a sports editor who follows, I'm, I'm at every sport, every week, the whole season. You don't see that. You guys have programs where they start with ninth graders, and they've had middle school coaches who have coached them up and gotten them to a certain point, a certain ability level, a certain expectation level. But in wrestling, it's completely different. You, you are... You know, I've got a seven-year-old, and Tim Myers will be there tomorrow at club practice, and, and he'll, be, he'll be tapping him on the shoulder saying, hey, Marco, I'm glad you're here, that kind of thing. And it, it goes from the time you put a singlet on or put those wrestling shoes on at four or five years old all the way up until you're 18. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and, and having a guy like, like, like David, I, I think, is, is, a, is a positive for, for you as a young coach mm-hmm. especially. I would think having somebody of, of his age, a Hall of Famer who just shows up without any questioning as to whether he's going to be a part of the team, has to be a real big positive. And not only a Hall of Famer, but he won the Mental Attitude Award, too, his senior year. So he's just all around got it all. He knows how to influence the kids. So. And I think one of the benefits that you have in this Delta resurgence, let's call it, is uh, with the closure of Muncie Southside, you know, Johnny Smith had that state championship team with Tony Abbott and Jeff Pease and Danny Whitcliffe and Foreman. And those guys and uh, Gonzalez, and it's like those guys, their kids are all going to Delta, and it's like we're not going to come and be embarrassed by a Delta wrestling match. What are we going to do? And those guys got together, and they, they put that, that program on our shoulders, and they brought it back, and then they made an influence and said, let's go get Cody LeCount to coach this team. Yeah, for sure. And then the, when we saw the facilities, when we were there for volleyball a year or two ago. Wasn't done uh, yet, but it was on its way. How fun is that to bring kids in and say, "Hey, you can come, you come wrestle here." I know it's one of the things that Belmont did three or four years ago. Uh, Sean Farout was instrumental in that, and said, God, "You come up here, and it is dingy and smelly and dark and dirty, and kids want 
new flashy things. They want to come up and be proud of what they had. And that's one of the things that Belmont's done over the last three or four years is, is, is upgraded things and updated it and make it look fresh and a new coat of paint does a world of good. But that is nothing in comparison to the facility that you guys have now. Yeah, it's, uh, I was pretty fortunate to walk into that. Um, we've got almost four full mats and two-lane track around the outside and a brand-new weight room right below us that's enough room for probably the football team, volleyball team, and wrestling team all at once. Um, I think it brings a lot of life to the team because since the 80s, they've only practiced on the balcony. They've rolled mats out up. They've rolled them out and uh, had to put them up every single day. And, like, even Locke, every day he walks into practice, he's always just like, man, this is just still unreal. He's like, I still remember practicing out on the balcony. We're doing sprints at the end of practice. He's like, I remember when we had to do it out on the gym floor. And just it just changes the culture of the team and just obviously helps our growth and everything too. So, Yeah, it's certainly a disadvantage for some of those small schools who have to deal with mats. And we've always talked about Southern Wells having to roll out their mats in the cafeteria and push the tables back and all those types of things. It just think, makes things that much more difficult. Uh, the food tonight at the Double Eagle, great as always. And uh, we were talking on Saturday during our regional broadcast, and I'm not sure if you guys are aware of this, but with all the COVID restrictions last year and the limited amount of tickets and, and with Ike Rubel having <clears throat> been in the state finals as a sophomore, hopefully returning as a junior, there are a lot of people who were just like, I'm not going to drive all the way down there without the guarantee of a ticket. And so what did a lot of people do? They came in here. Jason... Uh, who just walked in, he had our radio broadcast over the loudspeakers, and there were people here gathering just to listen to high school wrestling. And uh, you don't find that in a whole lot of places anywhere else in the, in the state of Indiana. And we really enjoy the, this being our home. I mean, it, this program didn't have a home, and uh, Jason stepped up and said, yeah, I, I want it. And uh, some nights we get a, a big crowd out here to, uh, to help boost his uh, revenue, but uh, we really enjoy him. Uh, hosting our show here. And with that, I'm going to send it back to studio for a round of commercials. We'll be back with the uh, third period right after this. Bowers Paint Studio on West Monroe Street in Decatur is hands down the best auto body repair shop in the Midwest. That's why your friends and neighbors give Bowers Paint Studio a five-star rating on Facebook. Your family ride get dinged in an accident? Take it to Bowers for a free estimate. Need a custom paint job for your collectible car or motorcycle? Bowers Paint Studio is the place to go. Nate works with all the insurance companies and can help you get a loaner. That's Bowers Paint Studio on West Monroe Street in Decatur. DDD Maintenance and Repair, owned and operated by Shane Reynolds, has your local professionals for heavy-duty truck and diesel engine repair. DDD Maintenance and Repair also offers full-service sand and glass blasting for your surface restoration projects. Whether it's getting your heavy-duty truck and diesel engine running like new or sandblasting your project to look like new, we have a blast renewing the past. Give Shane and the guys a call at 260-223-5442. That's DDD Maintenance and Repair. When you're doing new construction or remodeling and you need drywall, the name to call is Paul Baker Drywall. Paul Baker Drywall does championship caliber work and gives you free estimates. Paul uses all the latest styles for your approval and his work is always guaranteed. Give Paul a call today at 701-4388. That's 701-4388. When it's time for drywall, use the best Paul Baker Drywall.
Welcome back to the Hager Sefton Hershey's Dale High School Wrestling Weekly, hosted with Double Eagle here at Cross Creek once again, live from Double Eagle Clubhouse Grill, joined by our our most uh, attended guest, Kenny Williams. How you doing, Coach? Good. You? We're here. We had a great we had a great tournament yesterday. Watched some great matches. Uh, I don't care who you were rooting for. There was great matches to be found all the whole time, all over the state. Yeah. It's exciting times. So, Kenny, I got to ask you. Yes, sir. Going into talking about conference, sectional, regional, semi-state, what's, what's your favorite round? If you had to pick one round, if your wife said, hey, you got to stay home this year, but I'll let you go to one round, which one would it be? Ticket round. I no doubt so. about it. There's something special about it, isn't there? Well, it's such a culmination for so many of the kids that that's actually their dream. A lot of kids have dreams of winning a title. A lot of kids have dreams of meddling. But for the most part, kids want to make it there. They want to do the lap on Friday, and that seals there's, the deal. There's plenty of kids who... If you said, hey, you're not going to meddle, but I'll guarantee that you can make it to Friday night, and they'd happily go lose on Friday night. 100% all day. Because all right. it's, it's an extension uh, uh, of the season by a week, but it's getting to that, that, that final stage. And, and, you know, the difference between placing seventh or eighth and, and just qualifying, it, it's so much different from losing in the ticket round as a senior and finishing as that state qualifier. Well, it's the, the pomp and circumstance that goes with it, too. I mean, I, I, watch, I watch them do the lap every year, and I, I just want to see everyone I know make that lap because mm-hmm. it's so, so important, especially for a lot of guys up here. Now, in other semi-states, they're super concerned with winning medals, but for our guys, when they make the lap, they've, they've done what they came to do, and, and it's just fulfillment. And we get those goosebumps, too. We, we talk to a lot of coaches, not just here from Adams County, but, you know, last year. We were rooting so hard for A.J. Bradley's Jason Orr to make it just because we want to see A.J. down there on the floor representing Muncie Central. All these coaches that we talk to, we don't want to see Delta go without a guy on Friday night. We don't want to see any of those coaches that we talk to. We want to see Andy Oberlin down there with somebody from Homestead walking, representing every school that, that, that we see throughout the season. You know, if Andy Oberlin gets somebody down there or if somebody comes out of the Fort Wrestling facility, that will tell him that all of his hard work and dedication and the money he's thrown into the Fort Wrestling facility has paid off if he can get a Fort Wayne kid in there that wouldn't have been there without his efforts. Well, let's just hope that Coach Oberlin doesn't use the singlet challenge oh. on Friday night. <laughs> now, we were talking about Vision Quest and the, and the singlet and the that – I don't. I don't think we want to go there. No, we don't. There are some interesting. He's photos. listening right now. I, I know he I'm is. I'm sure. He has to be. You know, you talk about the ticket round. Uh, as a spectator, as a coach, as a wrestler, everybody's like, "Oh, the ticket is all the pressure on." You guys ever think what it's like to be the referee, refereeing <laughs> matches in a in a ticket round? You know, you make one bad call, like our buddy did last week. You, that's where dreams go to die. Mm. I mean, that that's AJ's line, but that's where dreams go to die in a ticket round. And if, if you go in there and make a mistake and make a, just a bad call that you're not willing to change, I mean, you just change somebody's life. Hey, why don't we give a shout-out to the officiating crew this weekend? I thought they were solid. I thought everybody, from, from Jeremy to the birthday boy Josh to, to all of them, I thought they did a really nice job. And uh, we didn't really talk about the officiating at, at all. Uh, there were obviously some stalling calls that, that made some pretty big differences, but, you know, a lot of those that we were calling, at least, you and I were calling them before they hit them with it. You and could, you they could. weren't afraid to make that stall call either. But the thing that I need to call out is that uh, Josh Howard had a couple of matches where guys had head injuries, head trauma, and instantly he went into there's no time on this. And the Jay County uh, training staff, was like, uh, Overby, two big head hits. They took 
all the time they needed to make sure that that young man was ready to go. And if he wasn't ready to go, they weren't going to let him go. And uh, the safety protocols that they put in place that they used for those matches, I, I just respected them all, all to death. So. For sure. And I know that Josh was getting excited about which semi-state that he was going to get. He was hoping for the Evansville semi-state because he said that he hadn't had that one yet. He was hoping for the, for the travel to go down there and be a part of that. Yeah, and they, they put you up at the uh, casino it, at the is gambling it place. At, is it at the, the big new arena now again? It's not at Jasper this year, is it? It used, used to be at Roberts Arena. Yeah, I think that's where it is again. I think they moved it to Jasper just last year because of COVID or whatever, but I think it's back to where I worked at Simmons State uh, two, maybe three times, and it was always at Seymour High School. I went in John Mellencamp's nephew one year. Yeah? Jimmy Mellencamp. That's interesting. I've never been to any other semi-state. I know, and I've, and I've talked about that before, but how could you miss one? You can't. You can't give I up don't. on Fort Wayne to go look at something else. Uh, referee 25 years, they'll send you all over the place. Well, that's that. you're getting paychecks <laughs> and big ones. That's so, true. you know. Those are big, big dollars. Big dollars. Absolutely. And I know, you know, one year um, my wife had a friend who was, who was living up near uh, Gary, and we went to the Trakeoff one year instead of going to where Belmont was. And, man, how cool was it to go to a different tournament with great teams that you'd never been to before? I do agree. Maybe we could get the IHSAA one year to stagger the semi-states. There you go. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Monday? Or just do Saturday, Sunday, and do 8 a.m. and do the second one, start at 1 o'clock. And you get it done I do. I, I would love to go to a Newcastle semi-state. Obviously, uh, the Maryville semi-state is no more now. You've got to go to East Chicago Central. But you hear all those rumors, and you hear people talk about it, and it's like I've never been to a Connorsville because I've been to the Al Smith every year for 30 years. Yeah, you can't you can't give up on what you know, and especially know when you know the the product is quality. Like I, there would be no reason for me to leave Fort Wayne. It's an hour away. I'm happy going to Fort Wayne every year. You know, I, I worked Connorsville for 15 years. I worked I worked Maryville. Uh, if you've never been to the semi state in the region, you have not lived. It's a little different atmosphere, it, huh? I tell you what, those people up there they're wound a little bit tighter than they are in most places of the world. One year as as refereeing it. I was on the off mat, and I was taking a break, and Henry Wilk was about 10 feet away from me. And Maryville's gym has this thing that hangs over the top, and all of a sudden a water bottle come flying down and hit right between us and exploded. And Henry's coaching Ben, and I looked at Henry and said, was that for you or for me? And he said, in this area, probably me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we certainly are spoiled with the Coliseum. It's wide open down there. There's plenty of, there's plenty of room for people to walk down by the floor. Uh, it, it's not, I think, it doesn't induce the, the best crowd atmosphere because it's just so big, and especially so, since the expansion, you're really far away. And you, you talk about those people that, the people that you've heard yell at the officials, yell at the opposing coaches for the last two weeks, sectional and regional at Jay County. By the time they get to their seat at semi-state, you can't hear anything that they say, especially in that Belmont section where they sit, which is typically over the, the line between mat three and four. If you're all the way over there on mat one, you, you don't hear anything that anybody's saying, no matter how loud they even if it's B.J. Farouk. As a, as a referee, you like that. At Merrillville, that place was always too small, and there's people sitting in a front row of the bleachers, and they got their feet on the edge of the mat. And you're going around a corner trying to get down for a pin, and they're reaching out and they'll trip you and stuff. I mean, it's, it was just way too tight. And uh, the Coliseum spoils everyone, and it, it is the – I've never been to Roberts Arena, but it is the best semi-state to referee and I've ever refereed in. Except for the hospitality room, which doesn't exist. Oh, for the referees back when I did, it was fine because Adam Central used to run it, and our hobby let nobody go hungry. Not for the media, though. Yeah. Well, but that is what it is. 
Kenny, before we run out of all of our time in this section, we should probably talk about the Fort Wrestling facility other than talking about Coach Oberlin in a singlet, well, which some of us were exposed to on uh, yeah, Facebook. It's unfortunate. You can't, un- you can't unsee that. No, you can't. My wife tried to show it to me. I was like, no, thank you. I just You keep that to yourself. Whatever. Well, what I really wish you would have done is if you would have worn the polo underneath it, like in Vision Quest. He should have. I think that's the classic Maybe we look. could get him to recreate it. Redo it, absolutely. Get some Fort Wrestling Facility polos that are only to be worn under a singlet. <laughs> there you go. Well, you've well, got to get the freestyle singlets, though. You've got to have the low cut. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. High... It's super down there. It's below the sternum. Yes. Yeah. With the high cut ones, it just doesn't work anymore. Well, you, get, you guys aren't old enough, but you used to have to have a hanky with you, and you have to stick the hanky oh, down. Oh, no, I'm old enough. Yeah. I used to have, you had to, when you were wrestling, you had to pull it out and show it to the referee to make sure you had and it. And you don't want to wipe your face with that thing either. No, you don't. I can't believe that's still not a thing. <laughs> oh, anyways, back to the Fort Wrestling Facility. Yes. Like, uh, I, we did, so our young kids this weekend, uh, last weekend, competed down at Middle School State, and we had some just awesome wrestling uh, from our kids. Uh, they showed a lot of improvement, a lot of heart. I couldn't be more proud of them. Andy was down there uh, coaching all the kids, coaching some extra kids. Uh, yeah, just, a, just a great environment that, you know, our Fort Wayne kids were able to, and not just Fort Wayne, but all the county kids were able to compete with, you know, Perry Meridian, with Cathedral, with Crown Point, and, and we really showed our stuff down there. And I was really happy with everybody. And I know one thing that Coach Oberlin is really priding himself on is if, if you're a Fort Wrestling Facility kid, no matter what age group that you are, Andy's really priding himself on, on being present at tournaments and having his support staff, his coaches, guys like you that are there making sure, oh, I know that kid. I'm going to make sure that, that, that I've, I've given him some help. Well, yeah, and two things with that. One is it's, he's, everyone's done a fantastic job. We actually compete as a team in a lot of places. We have travel teams that we do uh, all over the country. And then, uh, like, at the local tournaments, we send coaches out to support all the kids. But for a first-time parent, if you've not been in the sport and you show up to a gym, you're expected to follow track wrestling. You're expected to know when your kid is up. It's just, it's overwhelming to a lot of parents, and that's why a lot of kids don't finish. So we, you know, we get a hold of those parents. We walk those parents through what's going on. We're there for the kids. We know when they're up, you know, that sort of thing. So it really eases a lot of tension there. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, just going to rival nights in November and talking to a couple of new wrestling parents from the Decatur Wrestling Club, you know, they've got all kinds of questions. And there's, there's only so many adults and parents in a club that can, be, that can be present to help you out. And I think that's one of the nice things about, about the fort is not only do you have your own club, but then you've also got this attachment to Andy and to his program and just that, that further umbrella at any of these events that you go to. Well, and it's, it's great, too, for the kids as well, because they're – even though the kids are going to different schools, they're, they're surrounding each other's mats. They're all cheering for each other. It's really ex- – and then we also have times where, you know, two kids in a fort singlet wrestle each other. It's, it is what it is. But the, the whole family environment with the kids cheering for each other, I, I love it. I can't get enough of that. It's super fun. And, and we definitely encourage our kids to compete and want to do what we can for them. Well, we look forward to seeing you on Saturday at the Coliseum. We look forward to a conversation, hopefully, on our broadcast on WZBD with Coach Oberlin. And then we, of course, look forward to seeing all of the Fort Wayne semi-state wrestlers as they get their draws next Sunday. We will be on the air, not on Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday. We're going to leave the day for Mike Gable and Greg Rakestraw. We'll be back on the 14th for our show here on Monday night. With that, we're going to send it back to the studio for a round of commercials, and we'll be back with the overtime section where Dane will tell us everything that's going on on WZBD this week on the radio. 
Hi, this is Jesse from Heller Nursery in Decatur, Indiana. We are celebrating 75 years in business with three generations of Heller still working. During these winter months, we have a great selection of pottery and houseplants in our greenhouses. New shipments in weekly and stay up to date with Heller Nursery on Facebook. Stop in at Heller Nursery for a breath of fresh air. Don't forget, Heller Nursery is open seven days a week, including Sundays. Check out hellernursery.com for our spring tree and shrub options. Hi, this is Joel at Decatur Package Liquors, locally owned since 1965. I promise competitive prices and the best service in town. Stop in and ask me for details about our new Beer of the Month Club with all our great variety. We offer bulk buy discounts for weddings, graduation parties, and other big celebrations. Special orders are also available and highly recommended. Don't forget about Wine Wednesday where you get the best savings. Decatur Package Liquor, it's located right on 13th Street. Come on guys, it's where your friends shop. Looking for a trusted name in home or farm insulation? Ted Sprunger Insulation has been taking care of families in our area since 1978. When it comes to spraying foam and cellulose insulation, Ted Sprunger Insulation can't be beat for service or price. Give them a call today at 273-5068 or at 824-3021. That's 273-5068 or 824-3021. Ted Sprunger Insulation. Welcome back to Hager Seppner, Hershey's Yale High School Wrestling Weekly. Hosted by Double Eagle here at Cross Creek. We've made our way to the overtime period where uh, Dean pulls up his uh, little black book and starts looking to see uh, everywhere that the uh, WZB microphones have to be this week. I got two shout-outs before we get to that schedule, though, first, Rex. If you're worried about getting your vehicle, like I am, up to the Coliseum and then down to Indianapolis next weekend, make sure you give 8th Street Oil a chance to do some uh, auto repair work or some general maintenance. They're giving a, uh, they're honoring the $10 coupon that you might have gotten in the mail. Give them a call at 301-9388. And then we also need to discuss if you haven't bought your roses yet for next Monday, you need to go to Fields of Grace Floral Boutique in Bluffton. You can go online, put in the code WZBD10, and you'll get 10% off your roses. Depending on how long you're gone away from home, if you try to make a couple extra wrestling meets or maybe you're going to an extra middle school meet this week and you need to buy a dozen roses, then you get even more off than if you're just going with a single stem like the romantic Rex. No, I was thinking that, you know, I somehow talked my wife into be here on that Monday night and then they're waiting here for There you go. Well, we got to get online here after the the show and, and get those ordered. So... Uh, give them a chance. Fields of Grace Floral Boutique, 224 West Market Street in Bluffton. Enter that code online, WZBD10, and get your bouquet ordered today. Taking a look at the schedule, it's a busy one. Tomorrow night, we've got the Matt Painter Show. It starts at 6.05. Listen to him talk about the boilers. Of course, Matt Painter, a graduate of Delta High School. We would be remiss if we didn't mention it. And then at 7.05, it's Adams Central versus South Adams in the sectional. Looking for a higher scoring game than they had the other night. <laughs> yeah, well, Adams Central had no problem scoring against Whitco. It was South Adams who just could not find anything against Central Noble. And then on Tuesday night, then, we will get Heritage versus Belmont in the 3A final. Belmont pulling off. Rex, I don't know if you followed it enough, but Belmont lost their one senior, their leading scorer, their point guard. Two days later, they played Norwell, who was ranked fourth or fifth, their, their mortal enemy. 
They lost by 33 points. Okay? And then they come into sectional, having lost their backup point guard to a weightlifting injury in Andy Himes' class. She drops a weight on her finger, crushes Thanks. her finger. Thanks, Andy. And they beat Norwell. I saw that come across. I was like, is that an old tweet? That can't be. This no. No, it was a phenomenal performance, and, and all the credit to Coach Andy Heim for the, the perfect game plan. And it worked to perfection. But now, you know, they've also lost this year. They lost to Heritage. So Heritage is favored in that final still. But it's going to be a great game Tuesday night. Listen to Matt and Lou. They do a great job. They're entertaining. Tune in for that. That's going to be a 7 o'clock tip. And here, here's a little tip for you. Matt didn't like it when you text him and be smart Alec on the radio. Anyway. Oh, I came right up to him. <laughs> I came right up to him at the table and threw my stuff down and said, you guys mind if I set this stuff here? And then after I was a, a little bit over the top to him, then he texts me back and he says, hey, you left your camera bag here. I'll bring it to you to school on Monday. And I thought, oh, gosh, darn it. <laughs> so he's got my camera bag, so I can't be too mean to him. Then on Thursday night, we've got Radio Auction, and Radio Auction is going to go from 6 till 8 because then we've got Illinois at Purdue. That's where our buddy Steve Rouse shines. He did. If he, if he can keep... Uh, hey, what's the... What was the ad that he read? Uh, did you hear the new one that he recorded? With his Aunt Nettie? With his Aunt Nettie. Yeah. So good. Darling. Darling, what's that number for the radio auction? <laughs> Anyways, uh, we got Purdue and Illinois, another great college basketball game on Thursday. Then on Friday night... We've got intercounty basketball action, Adams Central at South Adams. That's a 7 o'clock uh, pregame. And then on Saturday, we've got the high school basketball coaches show. That's going to start at 7.30 with Matt. And then at 8.30, it's wrestling semi-state action. And we're going to be on the air from 8.30 a.m. until 7 p.m. Until they turn the lights on up to until, off at the Coliseum. Un until Dalton finishes. Right? <laughs> Until Dalton gets his hand I raised tell you what, as a semi-state champion. If, if, if Dalton could find two wins, what a story that would be. You could write a book about the progression that he's had from a fifth or sixth grader to where he's at now. Um, it, it, I'm excited for him. I, I hope that he really does well. As Steve said, that would be the Matthew Modine moment, like Vision Quest. It when, would. When Dalton I would. Robinson I love, wins the big championship. I love how well-versed Steve is in Matthew Modine. And Vision Quest. You, you know the part about that? I always get crazy. Everybody else is wrestling, and he's still out in the hallway running to cut weight. Come on. <laughs> he's cutting weight, and the match has already started. I finally weighs in and gets him. He weighs himself. I made it. And they let him wrestle the big match. So then after wrestling semi-state then, on Sunday, we've got um, Pacers basketball. Pacers have made a big trade today. Uh, I think they're kind of mailing it in for the rest of the year. But we got the Super Bowl. Did they pull a Cubs? On WZBD. They the clubhouse? They did a little bit. <laughs> we got the Super Bowl on WZBD. It's going to be a full night of coverage. Uh, if you are one of those people who can't stay up late and listen to the whole Super Bowl, and you do the old first half, I go to the party, and then I drive home at halftime, <laughs> tune in to WZBD and listen to it. The coverage is great. Westwood One does a great job. And then tune in for the Matt Painter Show on Valentine's Day the 14th. And then at 7 o'clock, actually, I think 7.05. I can't remember whether we have to, we have to wait on Matt. Probably 7.05. That we'll day. call it 7.05. Anyways, uh, we're going to have state brackets to go over. We will give you the rundown of every Friday night opponent for everybody in our area. And we'll give you the preview for, for all of those things. And remember, oh, this huge crowd that's gathered here tonight on Monday nights, I think Jason has a special for that Valentine's Day. So you're uh, the old uh, only the fryer side of the menu doesn't apply like what does on Sunday night. So remember... 
special meal on Valentine's Day. And before we go off the air, I wanted to just give a quick shout-out to everybody who was uh, asking about tickets for State. We invited Robert to come on the show. He had something else planned, but he is going to join us next week on Monday. Okay, so a little Valentine's Day wish for you, Rex, I know, to talk to Mr. Falcons. But there are going to be tickets available on Ticketmaster. Those are going to be on sale Wednesday, February 16th at 10 a.m. There are no more general admission tickets at the state finals. Everything is reserved seating. If you want to buy a ticket for Friday, you're going to have to buy it beginning at 10 a.m. on Wednesday on Ticketmaster. And if you want to go to wrestling on Saturday, I hate to tell you this, you will not be able to buy a ticket until all the wrestling is over that Friday night at 10 p.m. Ridiculous. So that is quite a change for some of us who are used to buying that ticket uh, at 1 o'clock in the afternoon on Friday and waiting five hours in the lobby like I did for so many years. You can't do that anymore. Thank goodness I get to carry this equipment in and I get in regardless. With that, I'd like to thank all of our sponsors for allowing us to uh, talk wrestling on a Sunday night. I'd like to thank Steve Rouse for running aboard for us. With that... Our uh, regular session from WZBD is over, and we're going to head into the podcast right after this. So uh, thanks a lot, and tune in next Monday night for the next uh, episode of the Hager Stepner Hershey's Hill High School Wrestling Weekly. Very good. You right. want to join us back right. again here? All right, boys. We're back on. It's podcast time. This is like bonus money. It's like in the OT round. It's on the OT round. Get that back on for you. So I thought that... As part of the podcast today, we would uh, go through, weight by weight, this Fort Wayne semi-state. Screw the other three semi-states. We're only caring about Fort Wayne today. We were talking earlier about 106. You're Aiden Bullinger, a little bit underweight, a couple pounds, not uh, taking advantage of the two-pound weight allowance, that's for sure. But uh, he ran into Levi Johns, and, and Levi Johns keeps beating people. And, you know, he comes from a 1A school. Obviously, people know about Bluff. They know about Landon Birch. If they're if they're you know my age, they know about Coach Sprunger. But you see a kid from a, a freshman from Bluff, and you think, oh, you know, eventually he's going to run into somebody in the tournament that's going to beat him. Well, we've made it through regional now, and he's still undefeated. Uh, I think he and May from Peru are probably your top two guys at 106. Yeah, I would definitely uh, agree with that. We didn't know much about John's going into it. We just knew he was going to be probably a little bit bigger, and we we knew he was a tough kid coming into that match, and then he obviously showed it a little bit with his size and just his aggressiveness this weekend. But I think that would be a fun match to watch between uh, May and Johns this uh, this weekend at Semi-State. So well, if, you're, if you're out looking for undefeated freshmen, where do you go find those at, Coach? <laughs> Bluffton, I guess. <laughs> well, of course you guys are looking forward to that match because it's in the semifinals according to the Indiana Matt Brackets, and you guys are on the other side. Correct, correct. Yep. Yep. So a little bit of an advantage there for Bollinger. He's got a young man from Western, and uh, the Cameron Straw from Angola, uh, we saw him at Goshen very early on. He's got 43 wins on the year. Yep. So uh, I think 106, a pretty decent even weight class from top to bottom, but I still, when I look at that weight class and I look at the other three, I still worry about where we're going to end up when it comes Friday night. Mm-hmm. Are we going to be able to get one placer out of there, two placers? I don't know. It looks pretty deep statewide. Before we get off that, I'm going to ask coaches, um, what do you guys think about two regional champions at 106 female wrestlers? 
Oh, that's awesome. That, they're yeah, the real deal. That's what oh, I was yeah. about to say. I was like, you can't leave out Ocampo. I mean, she's looked lights yeah. out this year, too. And, and Kroll wins her. And Kroll as well, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And Cantu also advanced to semi-state. And, and we were Buchanan. talking earlier. I don't know if you were there, but Tori Buchanan made it out to semi-state at 113. So four girls wrestling at semi-state this year. Tori Buchanan's a beast. Yeah. She is a beast. She got caught in a state final. And she's girls. angry. Oh, she, she's got something to prove because she comes walking on a mat. And it's like she was jacked. Yeah. And she was not happy about not becoming a, you know, a four-time state champion. And the young lady beat her was very good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. So then looking at to 113 pounds, as I breeze through these, we see mm-hmm. Cody Rowles is the top-ranked wrestler on his top half of the bracket. Uh, Caden Smithley ends up making the finals again. You know, he's kind of a kid who's, who's gone under the radar. We didn't know much about him uh, coming into this year. Uh, down at the bottom, Easton Doster has just one loss on the year. Doster, Tishner, uh, Wyatt T- Davis from Maconaqua. Tishner's tough. Mm-hmm. Keith from, tough. from Cowan and Rowles. That's not a bad class for Fort Wayne. Mm-hmm. Well, in, any of those guys could place easily. I agree. Yeah. Then at 120, I think one of the most compelling storylines, you know, and we've spent so much time talking about Ike over the last four years, but, and I've written about this. Probably the most defining match of Ike Rubel's career was the loss that he suffered after he beat Ocampo in the semifinals at 106 his freshman year. He loses to Jared Brooks. That loss then pits him against the kid from Crown Point on Friday night, and he ends up being just a qualifier as a freshman. But that uh, that was a result that really changed his perspective. He did not like not being a semi-state champ. And we talked about it on air. That was the last match that he lost where we, uh, other than the match uh, that he avenged at the Al Smith this year, that was the last match that he lost, in my opinion, that he should have won. The the two matches in the state finals, he was the underdog in both Mm -hmm. of them. And he kind of got caught out of place and maybe was napping a little bit against the kid from Columbus East at, at the Al Smith. He came back and pinned him immediately when they wrestled the second time and I think said, okay, that was, that was a blip. Don't worry about that. I'm good. <laughs> but uh, now we look at Saturday, and it's going to be Rubel and Brooks, a rematch from freshman year semi-state championship in the ticket round potentially. And I just think there's all kinds of things going through both those boys' heads, and it's going to make it real interesting. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's an, uh, one of those that – with the draws we have these these uh, at the Fort Wayne Semi State at 120, it's there's a bunch of kids in there that are all kind of right there fighting for that spot with like Linzer and uh, Mosier and you got Holloway and all those guys. Any of those guys could have drawn into Ruble, and it would have been a bad draw for them. And I mean, I feel for Brooks, but that's gonna be a fun match I think to watch. But um, like you said, that's just kind of one of those that just. It's just how it happens. Um, and if I'm Hayden Brady from Garrett, I'm not, too, yep. I'm not looking too far ahead to Ruble slash Brooks <clears throat> because he's got to take Curtis. And I, I kind of thought that Tate Curtis kind of struggled earlier in the year, and I was kind of like, oh, I don't know. Is he going to be all that good compared to everybody else that Jay County has down low there? But what I saw from him this weekend, I, I, was, I was a lot more impressed. Yeah, I think he's, he's rounding out the end of the season pretty well. And I would not put it past Carter Overby to be a state qualifier. Yep, yeah. that kid scraps. <laughs> yeah, that kid knows. can wrestle. Uh, I, was, I was really impressed with him, and we said that over and over again, all three matches that he wrestled. 
Cornwell's tough. We've seen him. We know what he can do. But uh, I, I think that's one of the better first-round matches. The, the big mm-hmm. match Saturday when uh, Overby tried to slam Ike, and somehow Ike landed better than Overby. <laughs> yeah, Overby yeah, yeah, knocked himself out. But he tried to slam Ike. I mean, they went up in the air, and Ike just kind of landed right. They both took a hard hit, but Overby's head came down, and then when they got up, then uh, Dane said that at one point in time the Belmont coaches thought that uh, – uh, Josh Harb may have called that as a slam on Ike, and it's like that was initiated. No, I, when I did go down to the break, I did talk to Joe, and he said no. They were they were discussing whether, but I think he kind of paid the price himself. Besides the slam call, they couldn't. He he's the one who got hurt. They were going to hit him with a slam call. Also, was he going to? He was going to disqualify himself. You slam a kid, and you knock yourself out, and you're out of match. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, at 126 pounds. Uh, I thought that things were going to shake out well, but then Tony Wood ends up driving, uh, drawing Mikey Calamani, and I thought one, two, three, four were going to be able to go through. But there's a couple other names in there that I'm that I'm interested in. I, I saw some good things from Isaiah McHugh from Angola earlier in the year. That's who Gavin Cook might have in the in the ticket round. But I I still think Aiden Sprague is is the class of that of that weight class. Yeah, yeah. At 132 pounds, obviously. We talked earlier the fact that it was an all-ACAC 1-2-3-4 <laughs> at our regional. And you've got three guys who are returning uh, state qualifiers, along with Colton Bullenbacher, who's shown that he can wrestle with anybody. But he ends up drawing number one, Dylan Stroud, undefeated right off the bat. That's going to be a really tough match for, for Colton. Uh, then that puts Stroud and Birch on the same half, which potentially opens up somebody on the other side. And honestly, if you look at that bracket and you look at who's been wrestling well the last two weeks, you could easily see Logan Allman in the finals at 132. Yeah, because, I mean, his kryptonite is Landon Birch, but he's wrestled well and got closer to him each week. And uh, Allman's there. Yeah, so uh, that's an interesting one. Uh, Allman has been right there. He's got four, four losses. No, three. He's got three losses to Birch. One to Calvin Farrell. He's got the one to Calvin Farrell in the duel, and he lost uh, in the match at Team State when he was up early and then lost. And that was the first weekend that he was <clears throat> that he was back. So he's definitely improved from the product that we saw him put out on the mat on January eighth. And I think that bodes well for him going forward because if we look back to last year at State, I think he was ninth or 10th best there. Uh, the kid from Penn that, that, that beat him, uh, he was not going to beat. But I think if you look at some of the other draws, I think he, he's right there. And I think that's probably right where he is right now. At 138 pounds, you guys were gushing over Dobie Litchfield earlier. Um, you know, he didn't get a chance to wrestle Garen, sir, but, you know, hey the number one guy gets beat by somebody and then you beat that guy, then all the props to you. And Dobie had a match real early at the Al Smith on day one. Uh, he came off the mat and said, I don't know what happened. I couldn't feel my, couldn't feel my hands. I, couldn't, I wasn't there. He led, I think, 5-1 on this kid from Maryville. And I think he was up 5-1 going into the third period. Ends up going 5-5, I think. And then he gives up a takedown in overtime. He comes back and he wins eight with eight matches, seven matches in a row to take third, and he hadn't lost all year. That's the only match that he's, that he's lost. I think he has to be the favorite at 138 pounds. I would say so. After watching him wrestle this weekend, I think he's wrestling 
lights out right now. Um, I think that whole regional is yeah. was tough, and to come out as the one at that regional, I think just shows that you're ready to go going into the semi-state, which is the best time to be rolling. So. You know, because you got a real tough 38-pounder coming mm-hmm. in there and Dylan Tuttle, and, yep. and, and Litchfield takes him out in the first period, and, yep. and like I said, Litchfield's just wrestling really, really well, and we see him all the time, so we just wondered what other people's perspective of him was, and like I said, that's one of the things that uh, Coach Meyer has told those guys that come out, look, we're going to change our style of wrestling. We're going to be heavy hands. We're going to be hot. We're going to be on you. And Litchfield just got dialed up, and he's going at another speed. And when kids come out here and, and, and he hits them on the head and hits them down, next thing you know, they're caught in a Palmer cradle and they're pinned, and it's like, wait a minute, that match is over quick against a real solid kid. There are very few high school athletes that compete when you're talking about speed. And I'm not talking about foot speed. I'm talking about a person who has a motor and an energy and even a mouth like Dobie Litchfield. Yeah. He never stops. And you talk to his cross-country coach. You talk to anybody else. You talk to the baseball coach. I mean, he's just boom, 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 and he never stops. Yeah, we saw him in baseball season. He, he was sitting on a bench about the first three, four seasons, uh, games into the season. Next thing you know, he's, leading, he's batting leadoff. <laughs> he asked me a week or two ago if I knew what the, what the school record was for stolen bases because he's interested in, in being <laughs> a, ba- awesome. a base dealer this spring. You know, the first – and I don't know how well you guys know him, but first three or four games, Rex and I called two of them. He was shagging fly balls on the very end of the bench. Coach wasn't giving him a look at all. And I think the new coach realized, man, this kid's got a motor and is going to give us full energy all nine innings, actually, all seven innings. Actually, we forgot that was the year before. We didn't have baseball season last year. No, we did have baseball season last year. It was two years ago. Two years ago. Okay, yeah. But uh, his, his motor just never stops running, and we've seen that in cross country. And as a senior now, a kid who qualified for state last year, I think he knows if I want to win a state medal, I need to be a semi-state champion. I am not going to risk yeah. a draw as a runner-up or a third placer. I'm going to be a semi-state champion, and I'm going to get my medal. But, Cody, like you said, you come out. I mean, any one of those guys coming in there, if you wrestle like a, a Peru semi-state, uh, regional champion – any one of those four guys that come out of the G kind of regional could win mm-hmm. their first round match. Yeah, yep. who wants to who wants to wrestle Dylan Tuttle first? Yeah, first Tuttle's a Tuttle's a four. I mean, that's just a tough match. Or Julius is a three. That's just yeah. that's yeah, rough. That's so. a tough first round match. At 145 pounds, I think that the two names that you got to watch out for are Toby Abbott, Brody Arthur. Obviously, are right there. You guys, I think, with Ronimus, not a bad draw. Braden yeah. Baker in the first round, and then uh, Bell Humor and the kid from Peru. Uh, you know, number eight and number ten in the semi-state rankings, and two un- uh, unranked guys. Uh, Got to be kind of excited about his chances. Absolutely. Yeah, most definitely. Being a four, I mean. Could have drawn Arthur or Miller from Lakeland, and I mean we got the draw we would have wanted. Now we've obviously got to go wrestle because he's still a really good opponent. Uh, you can't take anybody lightly at this time of the year, but it's just we're excited for that. So it could have been worse. Exactly. Yeah. At 152, obviously we've spent a lot of time talking about Curry and Dole, but uh, there's some pretty good wrestlers in that weight class too. Chase Leach is awfully good. Uh, Brady Porter is not Brody Porter. But he's still not bad from Eastern. Uh, A.J. Dahl's got Austin Bricky, who's well-coached and, and has had a lot of experience. And I know uh, he's a senior for Carroll. Joe has talked a lot about him. And uh, I was really impressed. You know, reason Davenport took down Garrett Manley five times in that opening round and just kind of shook him and ended his career without, I think, 
Garrett even realizing what was at stake. Yeah. I don't I think he realized what was at stake, but I think he realized I'm not going to be able to, to counter this guy like I'm used to other guys. And before he knew it, he was down four points with 30 seconds left, and it, it was over. Uh, but that Mitchell Betts from Western He's tough. also yeah, was he really good against Manly when we saw him at Team State. so He was like undefeated at Team State. He still is undefeated <laughs> and just, yeah. a, just a sophomore and ranked number two in the semi-state. So uh, I know that Alex Curry has really high, lofty goals. He wants to do the same thing that his dad did and wrestle under the lights. There's nothing that we've seen so far that has said, no, he can't do that. I, I think he's very much on track. They've got him ranked fourth in the state. Yeah, he looks really good. He does look good right now. Uh, and we've all been around Indiana high school wrestling enough to know that if you're undefeated, rank two, three, four, you got a pretty decent shot at making it under the lights because those draws sometimes, by the time you get and you advance, you may not have to beat number two or number three to get under the lights, right. and you're, you're right there. So I, I would absolutely lose my mind if we could see Alex Curry wrestle under the lights in the, in the state finals at 152. You know, you guys seen that. He's got, he's got a pretty awesome cross-face cradle. Belmont has been known for cross-face cradles over the year, but I'll tell you what, some of the Central guys, Blake Hirely and Alex Curry, they lock them up tight. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. At 160 pounds, I think I've used the, the word mean almost too much, <laughs> but uh, I'm really excited about a potential Caden Lone versus Duke Myers rematch. That was a brawl at the Al Smith. Those two guys were going at each other. And those Northwood guys, you were telling a story earlier, got a little bit of a mean streak with they Coach Andrews, Coach Lewis, and, uh, and with Coach Lone, Caden's dad, alone. But looking at the other side of the bracket then, uh, I, you know, I'm trying to remember what I should know about Logan Farnell from McConaqua. They got him ranked number two in the semi-state behind Duke. He's 40-1. and one. Have you guys seen him this year? We have not, no. no. So that's sort of I – mean, we've, we've run into a couple of situations where Belmont guys have, have had an idea that they were going to advance further in the semi-state and finish first or second. They ran into one of those guys from the Peru Regional where we're not all that familiar with them, and all of a sudden it's like, man, that kid was pretty good. I had an interesting conversation with uh, Tony Abbott and his, and his son uh, Toby. I'm walking down through there, and I, I looked at Toby and said, uh, your little brother didn't want much to do with Duke in that match. And Tony, Tony says, yeah, he's a little light for that weight. And Toby, Toby says, I want him. <laughs> his dad looking, goes, no, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> well, we, um, my call, I guess I, I enjoyed Austin Christner's uh, win in the first round, but my call of the, of the round on Saturday was the throw that Duke Myers hit. Duke did some hay baling for us last summer and it looked like he just took him as a bale of hay and threw him up in the mow and he went flying he, he bear hugged him and just tossed him from his feet almost like the salto if you're in front he just boop, and tossed him out of bounds and i mean it, you could have called it a slam because that's a freestyle full-out throw <laughs> nothing but back it's like oh. i think 160 is going to be a lot of fun yeah as far as as not you know sometimes you look at the fun matches and those are the close competitive the three twos and the four four threes I think what you're going to see are some fireworks between <coughs> Lone and Myers and some of those other guys. Is that a semi-match? At 160. Yes, they're on the same half. Lone and Myers are. Um, the other guy that's in there also is Kamani Howard. And I believe, if I remember right, that's who, that's who Duke Myers beat last year yeah. in the ticket round. And that's an interesting match for Lone there. From the Cats with a K? In the ticket mm -hmm. round. At 170 pounds, 
I don't know, maybe we're talking about Levi Johns, another kid from Wells County. How far can Eli Johnson go? He looked pretty good this weekend. Uh, we wrestled him in the finals there, and he ended up pinning us. Uh, but uh, that kid undefeated right now. I think he got the better draw probably on the top half. I mean, I, he's on the same side as what uh, Porter. Brody Porter, Porter, though. But well, didn't you guys take him down? We did. Yeah, we got the first takedown take in the match. Takedown. It was 3-3, and then we got in a scramble, and he got a takedown right at the end of the first to go up 5-3 on us. And, and then, then you made him mad. Yeah, we kind of <laughs> think so. And then he pinned us. But uh, he looked tough. He looked tough all weekend. He was in some battles and never really flinched and mm-hmm. came out on top in all those matches. So that was the first time we seen him all year. Tough on top. Yeah, yeah I think that's, a, on that's one of those. You, you talk about 170. Everybody's going to be talking about Landon Buchanan from Jimtown and Hayden Shepard from Western. But I think – the guy who really wants to make some noise in Indianapolis is going to have to be the guy who wins semi-state. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so forget the draws. You're going to have to stand on the top of that podium if you're going to want to really make some noise, reach the semis, which I think is probably the goal of, uh, of some of those guys. You know, I don't know how strong the other 170-pound semi-states are, but that's, that's three really good kids, four really good kids coming out of Fort Wayne. And one of them isn't even going to make it out because they draw round to go. So. Yeah. For sure. I was really impressed with Braxton Russell, your sophomore. Yep. Uh, I've seen uh, Zach France. He's got two losses, I think, to Somerset. Yeah. Is that right? I think yeah. so. I think that's a winnable match for, for Russell. And then, you know, Kamari Kirk is a big, strong kid from mm-hmm. New Haven, and we've seen him wrestle several times. Uh, those are all going to be good <clears throat> ticket round matches yes. at, at 170 pounds. Uh, at 182, and we'll give a shout-out to the general who I think is listening to it. Oh, he can't be listening to us now, but he will be listening to us later on when the pod comes General on. Heavy Hands was our guest like three weeks ago. He said he, said he was at work, but uh, I think Dial Capone only needed like 80 seconds to make it through his three matches at regional. <laughs> he got a pin like in 18 seconds That's in the awesome. finals. So it'll be interesting to see what he can do against the likes of a returning state medalist in Hunter Page. I'm pretty well, sure they already yeah, wrestled this year. Yeah, they year. wrestled this year. And what was the? Pinned, I thought he pinned him. Yeah, I think he pinned him. He pinned but it was like VZ pinned Page. That's his one. So. That's his one loss. So. I think okay. it was in like third period though. So yeah. I don't know what the score was before that. Yeah. And then on the other side of the bracket, it's Jaquan East, and it's going to be an interesting matchup if Trevor Curry can get by Austin Ferris of Dwanger in the ticket round. As we'll have <laughs> our eye on that one on WZBD. Scrolling down to 195 pounds, uh, Henry Kukulhan the highest-ranked wrestler in his quarter bracket. That's obviously something that you look for. He's got number five and number seven, though, in his quarter, so it's not going to be easy. Isaac Clay of Central Noble, and then a one-loss sophomore, Alex Deming from Rochester, potentially in the ticket round. Uh, I, I don't want to sound mean, but some of those kids in that Rochester area don't wrestle the quality of other teams that they do in Delaware County and some that like they don't go to Al do they go to the Al Smith? I don't think. I don't uh, think Rochester do. doesn't go anymore. They used yeah. to. But I tell you what, uh, coming in with, with a one loss out of Rochester is not something that uh, a Delta guy or a Belmont guy is fearful of. But you know, you talk about and we talked about this all day yesterday. Don't get upset about the place that you finish until you see your bracket. Mm-hmm. And we walked out of the gym yesterday you were ready to go home. I was ready to go to petroleum. But, you know, Henry Kukulon down on himself probably a little bit. I, you know, I thought I had a chance to beat that Engineito kid. But then good. you go and you look at the bracket, and who does Engineito need to beat? He needs to beat the winner of Nate Elliott from Huntington North and the number one ranked kid in the semi-state. 
and the kid from Kokomo. So, you know, you just got to take those losses, take a deep breath, remember that you qualified for semi-state, and then take a look at your bracket and remember you don't need to worry about the other 12 guys at all. There's three guys in your bracket, and as we were saying earlier in the, in the segment, get in the state, that's the goal. Then you worry about your placement after that. Well, that's why they don't show the secret sauce so that you can't look <laughs> into the crystal ball and say, oh, guess what? I'm going to take a dive in the finals because I know i got a better draw coming out. And used to, you could figure it out. Yeah. Now they hide the secret sauce, and you know Henry comes out smelling like one of those roses you're going to get from uh, your place over Bluffton. That's right. Absolutely. You guys need roses? <laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> okay, you got yours. <laughs> no, I'm good. Well, 220 has been one of the most talked about weight classes in our semi-state. A lot of talk on the board, a lot of talk in corners at tournaments and that kind of thing. The Carroll Regional was absolutely stacked at 220. Of course, we would like to think that our 220 was also pretty stacked. We've got Blake Hirely, who's a returning medalist. We've got a guy who reached the semis at the Al Smith and Keegan Martin at Belmont. But, you know, Jelante Hinton, he comes back from suffering a loss at sectional and wins the Carroll Regional. You've got Hirely in the next quarter bracket. You've got Brady Beck from Rochester who comes out as the one out of the Peru Regional. But then you've got a rematch between Dylan Bennett and Keegan Martin in the very first round. Then on the other side of the bracket, you've got Chance Harris, Joel Kennedy, and one loss, Isaac Benjamin from Northwood. You know, that's why I talked to these guys before we went on the air. It's like those were some of the biggest 220-pounders at our regional I've ever seen. You know, and, and those weren't those kind of guys that weren't in shape, that were too light, to, too, couldn't beat out the 82-pounder, 95. Those were men at 220. And the semi-state for Fort Wayne, there's even bigger guys coming in. But I tell you what, the class of our field is Hirely. Hirely is a beast. He oh, is yes. just ripped. Oh, yeah. i tell you what, you take, if, if we could get full wrestlebacks at 220 and you take our top six guys – at 220, I'd take our chances with everybody else in the, in the state. You know, you, we talked that yeah. Muncie Central kid's huge. Oh, yeah. So, he's yeah. like, what, 6'3", six, 6'4", six, 220? Yeah. yeah. He's ripped, too. Yeah. They're all ripped. At 285, it might be a different story. <laughs> <laughs> I love all those guys. <laughs> I, I'm a big Ian Clifford fan. I'm a big Jason Orr fan. I'm so excited for Dalton Robinson to get to wrestle at semi-state. They get the Angola kid uh, in there? I'm even excited about Brandon Villafuerte from, from Angola. But I still worry about this class going forward into the state. I'm not sure. I don't think we've got a semifinalist here, but maybe I'll be surprised. You're excited. I can't pronounce his name, so I don't, I don't want to take his uh, You haven't, you haven't li- listened Bia, to enough, Mex- enough, enough uh, Mexican football or Dominican baseball to be able to pronounce that. <laughs> but uh, you got Via Fuerte, and he could meet up against Juan Cruz. <laughs> Was it the most slow motion headlock in a regional final that you'd ever seen? I mean, it just kind of, we were able to. Like caught t- him with his elbow. <laughs> yeah, he he like just had an arm almost for yeah. the first 10 seconds, it seemed like, of the headlock. Well, we, I wanted to see someone wrestle Cruz because the last three weeks I've seen Cruz just come out and head hammer people until they got tired and he, and he beat them. And Orr went after him, headlocked him, put him down, and it, there was no match after that. Once he was down, he was down. Oh, yep. yeah. Uh, Dalton Robinson has number four, Marshall Fish, back from Rochester. Rochester with a lot of good. We can see why they finished so high at 1A Team State. Just one loss, a senior, ranked 10th in the state. That's his first-round opponent, uh, Parker Hennessy from Heritage on the other side. Jason Orr gets the young man from Oak Hill, who's ranked 7th in the semi-state, and Braden Jellison from Elkhart. i got to think, if you're Coach Bradley, and he's listening to the podcast, it's Monday now, he's listening to it on his iPhone, you got to be excited 
You're the, the highest-ranked wrestler on your half of the bracket. This is your chance. I got my Muncie Central shirt. I got it, I got it clean. By the way, you guys owe us a little bit of Delta swag. Delta I know. swag. I'll get you something. Yeah. Talk about Rex Brewer in 1984. Fast-forwarding 28 years, thinking about wearing a Delta wrestling shirt <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> he would have told you no way. In God's green earth, would he ever wear a Delta shirt? But well, you got to remember, times back, have changed. Back in 1984, I was refereeing all over the state, and I was looking for that stuff because I stayed away from Belmont for the first 15 years. So I was every corner of this state, and I saw some wrestling uh, that most people from Belmont never do. You guys talked about, oh, you didn't know what a semi-state anyplace else like. Did Seymour, did Fort Wayne, did uh, East Chicago Central, used to have at Maryville. I mean, there's, uh, did Newcastle a bunch. And Newcastle, I mean, Cody, for your first real time as a coach at Fort Wayne, it's going to be different for you because you're used to seeing, you know, Perry Meridian Cathedral. and it, uh, I've never been anywhere but the Newcastle Semi-State. Yeah. Grew up watching it, wrestling in it, and coaching in it. So, yeah, it'll be different for me here now too. So. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, refereeing and wrestling in the bowl at Newcastle is very similar to Coliseum. That's, you know, the biggest gym in Indiana. And There's a lot more space yeah. at yeah. Fort Wayne than the, that, that uh, concoction that they have of weird <laughs> cut-out mats. It's a big hole in the ground. Yeah. It, it certainly is. So I, I'm certainly excited for, for Saturday, 8.30, and uh, I give a shout-out to Coach Myers, and I'll share this picture with you. Took a picture. I, I, I guess that's at the Jay County locker room, but uh, 12 regional titles between those three guys we were going through talking about four-time regional champs so ike rubel now is a four-time regional four-time sectional four-time conference champ and he joins coaches gunsett and myers as people who've pulled off those feats and we were talking about ike's only loss at semi-state being to jared brooks his freshman year he's looking to become uh, a three-time semi-state champion nobody from belmont's ever won four semi-state titles and uh, the accolades keep, accolades keep rolling in. The only thing that's keeping Ike from being up in the top three all-time in wins in Belmont history is the fact that Belmont missed 25 matches last year oh, yeah. because of COVID. Yeah. So he never, he never actually really had a chance to catch John Sheets <laughs> because in John's era, you know, he graduated in 2003. Oh, they could wrestle. He finished 189-9. and nine. Yeah. You know, Ike, Ike could have gone – undefeated for four years and he wouldn't have gotten 198 wins you but. know mac taylor from newcastle comes in the state finals 53 and 0 oh yeah way to get yeah. 53 matches yep yeah I'm, that's because jeff and jen spent all those thursday or uh, thanksgiving weekends at, at valparaiso and <laughs> wawa sea and all of those remember the viking invitational 10 day 10 tournament 10 10, 10 matches in uh, in two days and, yeah. and all of those you no know, as, as coaches you guys you, you've been around him a little bit we've known ike since he was just a little kid but there's nobody nicer uh, in the world. That's what I was about to say. The first thing this uh, on the regional morning, we're walking across the mat, and I first thing comes up to me and says, hey, Coach, how you doing? And just talking to me and stuff. So I was like, what a nice kid. I was like, you can't hate the kid. You've, gotta, you've always got to root for him, even if we've got to wrestle him. So. And, you know, I will give him some credit, too, because there are so many expectations for him, and there have been for so long. Freshman year, he went down to state. I think he wanted a medal, but a lot of people expected maybe a seventh or eighth place finish because, like Bollinger, he was underweight. He wasn't a full 106 pounds, but then he, he, he breaks through sophomore year, makes it to the state finals. But then, you know, the next year, junior year, it was state finals or bust for him. Anything short of wrestling under the lights was going to be a disappointment. And I hate to say it, but it's going to be the exact same thing this year. People, 
who aren't that familiar, who haven't seen it, who don't know the context, they're going to judge him by whether or not he makes it under the lights. Yeah. And with Jeff and Jen here, they know that feeling. John won as a freshman. And every year that he finished third, half the people in the gym are like, oh, that's a disappointment. <laughs> no. no. The kid just made it. He finished third in the state <laughs> three years in a row. It was a huge accomplishment. Yeah. And I remember uh, when I was still in high school, being over there at their house, trying to go through the record books and looking at how many people in the history of Indiana had ever finished top three all four years and what an accomplishment that was. Nobody should be judging Ike on whether or not he makes the finals this year. You know, that's the little story that uh, maybe, you know, Ike's telling his, his dad and his dad pulled him outside and he's like, you know, Ike finishes second and all of his buddies, ah, you'll win it next year. And he goes, no, they don't understand how hard it is. No. It's no. like you get, you get beat by Cotty in the finals. I mean, he got hammered by Cotty. He come back and kind of made it a match toward the end. I don't know if Cotty got tired, but, I mean, he got hammered by Cotty. And it's like you come back, okay, so uh, Logan Miller from Brownsburg, he's, he's a pud now, and you think because he's a senior you're going to come back and beat him? No, I mean, it is not easy to come back. And it's like I took second next year. Automatically, it's going to give me a gold medal. And it don't happen that way. No. And very few people, other than those who are really, really close to him, know the amount of sacrifice that he's putting in right now to make 120. That's the other thing I said to him. I said, you're man, gonna I think see you're a, taller than me. You're going to see a different Ike Rubel this July on the golf course out here for the <laughs> Belmont Wrestling invite when uh, Abbott brings Foreman and all those other guys here. Okay, I'm going to throw my, head cut, my, my weight cutting hat into the ring. I'm taller than Ike Rubel. My senior wrestled 19. I was thinner than he was. <laughs> But, uh, you know, there's all kinds of other storylines, and, and you guys aren't, aren't from here and aren't aware of it, but, like, you go back to his great-uncle was a state champ, and, and, and his great-uncle on the other side in high school in the 1970s died in a car wreck and was, was a great wrestler for Belmont High School. And, and so one great-uncle, so you got marriage that brings the two families together, but, like, he's got grandparents and great-grandparents who have been through all of this way back in the 70s. They've been to the state finals. They've, they've had guys wrestle for state championships. They've, they've had tragedy. Like, he carries all of those families' expectations on his shoulders and does it without any thought. You don't, you don't realize it, and maybe we will someday, but he's carried a lot over four years. He you know, came in as the younger brother of John, who was a, a state semifinalist that came in but he also carries that, that Schultz name, that Book name. Uh, his dad was a state qualifier. Uh, Paul was a great wrestler. I mean, he's had a lot of pressure over four years. And, and to carry himself the way that he has and to have that reputation like you guys talked about where everybody in the state knows Ike. Every wrestler's mom knows Ike <laughs> and, and, and loves him. Uh, that's, that's not easy to do. You know, Ken Book died in a car crash when I was a freshman in high school. His mom and dad are at every tournament today. They are still great, Tom, Tom and Marvin. So great grandma and great grandpa. You don't you don't see that a lot. They're there, sitting. They're the first people there at the Al Smith. They're the first people there at Huntington North. They're the first people there at a, at a dual meet at Bluffton, and it just has a lot of support. And obviously, we're only you know 13 days from now. The season's going to be over, and we're going to we're going to talk about what Ike's legacy is. But he's going to end up being in the top five all time in wins and. Um, I hope a three-time medalist and a four-time state qualifier and probably a three-time semi-state champ and, and all those other accolades. You know, so we, we really appreciate you guys making a drive up here from the Delta area. And uh, that's one thing that Dane prides himself on is, like, 
he's not afraid to get guests from all over the place. And like I said, 20 years ago, if you're talking about Belmont wrestlers, talking about talking about guys from Muncie South or Delta coaches, you know, we, we bring them all in. And I'll tell you what, we have great conversations every week, and we really appreciate you guys coming up. Oh, thanks for having us. It was awesome to be here. Especially yeah, worse. Bryce Bumgarner after he had some, had some <laughs> battles with Jacob Gray. It's like, you know, uh, you got to let him indicate her. Yeah, we did. Well, we certainly look forward to uh, hopefully a renewed rivalry between Delta and Belmont. And I was just telling somebody yesterday at the basketball game, you know, everybody talks about all these seniors for Belmont and, and how they're going to lose so much. But you know what? Belmont advanced how many guys yesterday? Eight? Eight guys, yeah. And I'm going to throw Gavin Davis in there in the mix. Gavin <coughs> Davis would have been a semi-state qualifier. Let's call it nine. Would have, should have, could have. We'll take it. We'll take it. Only three of those guys are seniors. If you count Davis, six of them are going to be back next year. So Belmont's not going away, unlike I think some people thought that they were. Now, certainly they're not going to win Team State next year by 45 points or whatever <laughs> it was against Jay County this year. But I think we've got some really strong programs that are not just one-offs in – Belmont, Garrett, Jay County, Delta, Oak Hill, Western, Wawasee, Jimtown. Uh, I think we've got a really strong base for a renewed rivalry all the way throughout 2A. It's been a great show, and uh, we appreciate uh, all of our sponsors that allow us to sit and talk about wrestling on the radio and on a podcast for an hour and a half. I'd like to thank all of our guests that came out in person, Kenny and his wife, Deshitsis, and uh, tune in next Monday night on Valentine's Day for our... uh, Roses and uh, Hearts special. From, if that's uh, what you want to call it. Here from the Haggard uh, Septon Hershey's Elf High School. Oh, and we're going to have Assistant Commissioner Robert Falkins. Oh, it's a worth, special Valentine's Day guest. Worth the price of admission, which is zero. But uh, <laughs> thanks a lot for tuning in. Thanks, Steve Rouse, for running board for us. And that's all for this week's episode. Good evening, uh, wrestling fans. Welcome to Hager Stephan Hershey's Elder High School Wrestling Weekly, hosted by the Double Eagle here at Cross Creek. Once again, live from the uh, Double, Double Eagle Clubhouse Grill. Nick Coons in the house now, too. Dane, uh, we're joined by state champions at times, but tonight, joined by parents of a state champion in the house, Mr. and Mrs. Sheets. Very excited to have them here. A nice crowd. They said they had it on their, buck- they said they had it on their bucket list. And what's, the, what's on the table? A bucket. There you go. I like it. I like it. Well, obviously, Rex, the first thing we're going to talk about tonight is regional yesterday. A little bit of a... Did we have a regional yesterday? A little bit of a delayed start. I tell you what, all those years of starting at 8.30, the noon start wasn't bad. No, it wasn't bad. It was easy to get there. But then, end of the day, we got home kind of late. I was used to, you know, early afternoon. But uh, I got home to like 6.30-ish. Well, I got home a lot later than you because I made a trip through, I don't even know, I went through petroleum. When was the last time you were in petroleum? About two weeks ago. Okay. Petroleum. I, it's petroleum. And then I went through, I can't remember where else I went Panito? through. Panito? Panito and petroleum? Yeah, I did. I stopped at the four-way stop at Panito and then made my way to Bluffton. <laughs> Saw a 25-21 to 21 girls basketball game. Is that the one I listened to, to uh, Matt? I, and I heard and you called in. I texted him. Okay. I, okay. I said, dude, we've had wrestling matches with bigger scores than that. And he gave me a laughy face. We did. It was what was the score between Somerset 
yesterday. It was, it was 18 like, to 16. It was like 30, and then the fall. It's like 35 points. It was ridiculous. I mean, I tell you what, there were some matches there yesterday, just incredible matches. A couple of big upsets here and there, but uh, I, we talked to the uh, our guests of the night, and they said they came through. Not too many surprises for them, but uh, I tell you what, the the uh, Jay County Regional, uh, I think it has to be dealt with at the 4N Semi-State as one of the powers coming through there. Yeah, we're going to see. I think they're the deepest from top to bottom. Uh, when it comes to champs, we'll see. But I, I'm pretty excited about where our regional is going to end up. Obviously, we're going to talk a little bit about brackets so, later on. But So, so what if you're a 138-pounder uh, and you're the champion at Peru and come out and have to wrestle a Garrenser or a Dylan Tuttle? First round. Yeah. It's, it, it, it was a real deep weight class, and uh, I was kind of hoping for Litchfield and Garrenser, but I give all the credit to Cameron Clark, man. Cameron it, wrestled it was, a great match. It was a really good weight class, and uh, it, it's always nice to see the best two guys from one sectional wrestle the best two guys from the other sectional and, and go head-to-head, but it's kind of funny that it ended up with the two guys from the Jay County sectional of finals and, the, and, and Tuttle and uh, Garrenser in for third and fourth, but those are four guys. Any of those four guys could be state qualifiers this time next week. You know, I, and before we went on the air, I was talking to uh, the, the two Delta guys, and, uh, you know, their, their guy got taken out by Litchfield. But we talked about in the last month, Litchfield has just been wrestling like this high off the ground. He's just been at a whole nother level, and he's, he's dialed in. And, I mean, if you can carry that through the rest of the season, I, I think he's, he's got a good chance of going a long way. For sure. So the rundown of the show tonight. We'll talk a little bit about what the semi-state and state tournaments are going to look at from a uh, a fan uh, standpoint as far as ticket sales and start times and those types of things and how to uh, purchase tickets. We're also going to look at Team State and some changes in who is in what class and the effects that that has on Belmont and Adams Central and South Adams. Then we're going to interview the head coach of the Delta Eagles, Cody LeCount, and talk to him about his high school career and his uh, start of his new coaching career and what Delta has in the future. Then we're going to bring in his assistant coach, Jacob Gray, another state champion. Since David Locke couldn't make it, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to gush over David for a little bit, I guess. (laughs) And then talk to Jacob about some of the guys on the, on the Delta team and preview some of the draws for semi state. And we're also going to ask him uh, how you get a uh, premier wrestling facility like they have at Delta high school now. For sure, I want to learn more about that. And then we're going to dive deeper into the brackets that have apparently been released on uh, Indiana Map. They're yeah. not official yet on the IHSAA. As far as we know, I did get a call from the assistant commissioner, and uh, they're not going to be released officially until Tuesday morning. But Joe says he's got the formula, so we'll give credit to Joe for putting that yeah. out there. Adds a little bit of drama to the first couple of days of the week here, but that's what we need so now without a team semi-state to look forward to. we got we got to talk about those things. So worst case, he's off by 5%, maybe. We'll see. We'll see. And then in overtime, we'll take a look at WZBD's schedule for the rest of the week. It's a really busy week. It wasn't supposed to be, but all the snow last week pushed a bunch of girls' basketball games into tomorrow. And Tuesday, we'll talk a little bit more about tickets for state because, Helen, I know you're listening and you want to learn more. And then we'll talk about state brackets next week. Uh, Don't worry about the Super Bowl next Sunday. We're talking about state brackets. We're talking about Mike Gable. There's nothing better. The Super Bowl is just going to be the halftime show is nothing. When you got Mike Gable and Greg Rakestraw on TV, that's the main event. So, Rex, what's your biggest takeaway from yesterday's regional? I think for Belmont, I, 
I'm just so excited for Blake Luganbill and Austin Christner. Two great wins in the opening rounds. Luganbill, you know, nobody looked at him at the beginning of the year and said, well, there's a guy who's going to be a semi-state qualifier. Uh, and even after the good performance that he had at the Al Smith and, and the, the matches that he wrestled well at Team State, I'm not sure anybody said, oh, he'll be a semi-state qualifier. Then you look at his bracket, and we're going to look at that in the third period. Holy cow, he didn't, he didn't have any state-ranked guys in his quarter bracket. You know, you look at that whole weight class, and at 26, you know, um, with, with Cook and Wood, who met last week in the finals, they met at the ACAC conference finals, and those guys are just a class above, and the Delta guys brought some guys in. But Luganville wrestled a great match. I mean, he didn't panic, got to the end, hit a Granby, and it didn't get the Granby, but catches his head and arm and gets uh, reversal and near fall. Didn't need the near fall, but gets reversal near fall. He started at Grammy, <clears throat> maybe seven seconds left to go in a match, and gets it, and the, the kid just like, you know, I think it's Daleville kid, I think. But uh, it was just, it's just a great win for for the. Those are, those are the fun moments when you're on the radio to call matches like that, and uh, I got a little excited when Timo got the fall there in the first period. He was on his back, he was being cradled, Austin Christner, and all of a sudden. It's Austin with the with, with the cradle and the fall, and he ends up coming back and, and pinning Maverick Somerset. Somerset goes from second place last year or last week in the finals, and then is a tough luck loser in the semis, and then ends up getting pinned by Christner and taking fourth. But you know, but that move for Austin Christner down to one seventy really benefited him, I think. You know, I'm I'm talking to the the Delta guys. How exciting was that semi match between Russell? And, and Somerset. Probably not nearly as exciting for them. They were probably crapping their pants at one point. You know, Jay, Jay, um, Jacob's going, what are you doing? Don't get close to him. Don't get thrown a lateral drop with, like, no time left on the clock. Well, I think that the biggest decision that, that these two had was after he called the stalling and the two-point stalling, there was, like, seven seconds left, and all of a sudden they had to choose position. And you had been thinking the whole time, you're thinking stalling, stalling, avoid stalling, get stalling, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, crap, now i got to decide where I want to go. And, of course, they picked down, and then Somerset immediately lets him up, and, and, and the rest went the way that it did. But it was, it was wild, and it was loud, and it was probably, for everybody involved, for the whole atmosphere, obviously for Belmont fans, we're talking about Christner, but for, the, for everybody that was in attendance, that was probably the most exciting match of the, of the entire tournament. And coaches, you know... That someplace somebody's double, they're they're questioning your guess. You're saying, I mean, we've had that on the air. We're sitting there, and you know, one year when uh, we had uh, uh, Kyle Lawson's wrestling against um, kid Chacon, Chacon, and he'd been ridden in the third period, and Lawson take him down three times, and then he takes it down. I was like, what, what, what are you doing? What, what are you doing? You know what happened? Remember what happened that first two minutes? Yeah. Hey, nobody handles screen printing and apparel like Team Entrewear in Bluffton, providing high-quality and creative apparel for South Adams football, <coughs> Belmont wrestling, and many others in our area. Team Mantra takes all the work coaches and volunteers used to do taking orders and collecting money and does that work for you. Set up an online store and let the local experts at Team Mantra take care of the rest. From custom designs to a wide array of apparel and gear, Team Mantra is your home for all your team apparel needs. Visit the brand-new location for Team Entrewear on Main Street in Bluffton or contact them online at TeamMontraware.com. Today, give a shout-out to uh, our boy uh, Grant Mosier, listening, as always. We always throw in that punchline. Anybody who can find apparel and make Grant Mosier look good, give him your business. I have to get the name of your go-to person because I've, I've got the uh, High School Wrestling Weekly shirt right here. Okay. I know what it's like. Let's go with it. So with that, we're going to send it back to the studio. Steve Rouse running aboard for us here on a Sunday night. 
with Ronald Commercials. We'll be back with our first guest right after this. Hi, this is Joel at Decatur Package Liquors, locally owned since 1965. I promise competitive prices and the best service in town. Stop in and ask me for details about our new Beer of the Month Club with all our great variety. We offer bulk buy discounts for weddings, graduation parties, and other big celebrations. Special orders are also available and highly recommended. Don't forget about Wine Wednesday where you get the best savings. Decatur Package Liquor, it's located right on 13th Street. Come on guys, it's where your friends shop. Independently owned and operated, Haggard Sefton Hershey and Zelt Funeral Home, located in the heart of downtown Decatur, has been serving the funeral needs of Adams County and the surrounding area for over 114 years. Whether it's at need, a prearrangement, or a monument sale, our small staff is here to provide comfort in your time of need and make our home feel like an extension of your home as we assist you in honoring the life of your loved one. Brad Weber proudly supports the WZBD Wrestling Coaches Show. He also supports youth football in Adams County as a board member of the Decatur Football League and president of Belmont Cadet Football, giving our youth the chance to learn the great game of football. Some of the best football players in our area have also been fantastic wrestlers. That's why famous coaches like Joe Gibbs and John Madden always wanted wrestlers on their team. Find out more about youth football opportunities by giving Brad a call at 452-7045 or email bw at bradweberlaw.com. Welcome back to the Hager Stephan Hershey's Ale High School Wrestling Weekly, hosted by the Double Eagle here at Cross Creek once again, uh, live at the Double Eagle Clubhouse Grill and Dane tonight. Special shrimp and wings. Last week had wings. This week was a shrimp, fresh out of St. Mary's, and they were wonderful. I had the hottest cheese curds I've had all season. <laughs> they were the and, temperature uh, they, of lava. <laughs> they were. They were good though. You get a little ranch on there. It's exactly what I need. So we are joined by the head coach of the Delta Eagles, Mr. Cody LeCount. Welcome to the show, Coach. Thanks for having me. And I don't know, Rex, have you ever seen the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Uh, George Clooney? Bits and pieces. We were, we were setting up Saturday, yesterday, before we ever got started, and we started talking about the show. And I said, we don't have a guest for tomorrow. I said, well, we'll ask them, fellas. That's exactly what they say on Oh Brother, If you had been in the other corner, somebody else had been a guest, but you were no, right we there. we could have been talking to Monroe Central coaches right now. Right place, right time. <laughs> you were, No. Uh, we're glad to have you on the show, and uh, I, I've enjoyed working with you through Team State, getting you guys the uh, invite to 2A. I know we were talking earlier over food. that didn't turn out quite like you wanted, but I, I still think you guys reasserted yourselves into the 2A scene, and I think going forward, a lot of the coaches that are involved in that tournament know that they're going to have to deal with Delta for years to come. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, we're a young team, so I think we've got a lot of uh, improvement to go forward. We only lose one senior. So um, just putting our foot back out there and making a, a footprint um, for everyone in this area, and 2A is the goal for us going forward. So so the Delta coaching staff, as I remember it, uh, up until two years ago, seemed pretty fluid, and, and, and <clears throat> fluid's not the right word, it's the opposite. Uh, what's the what's the opposite of fluid? I know the German word for it. I can't let's let's it. just say every Anyways, other year they had a new coach. That's how that's what. And it then means. last year you guys had a new coach in, in Mosier, yep. and then all of a sudden I heard, hey, Cody LeCount's been hired as the new the new coach at Delta. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how that happened? Um, I took the job right at the uh, beginning of April of last year, so I've almost been here a full year now. I was the assistant for three years at Carmel. Um, I'd always wanted to be a head coach somewhere. Why? Um, Why? That's crazy. You're, I know, you're right? just crazy, man. I know. You could have been Ed's assistant for forever. I know, right? <laughs> I always said I grew up watching the state finals. I wrestled in the state finals, and I said I wanted to coach in the state finals. 
So that was always a goal of mine, and I just love, obviously, giving back to the sport. But um, once I started looking and finding some jobs and some opportunities of what was out there, there was plenty of openings. There always is every year. But uh, my dad had just moved out to the Muncie area about five or six years ago. They lived two miles from the high school. I helped out some when I was in college when I would come home and visit my dad. So I started to grow kind of with that community as well. So I just felt like it was a perfect fit for me on top of, as you guys were talking earlier, the facilities was obviously a big uh, big help. In the, in the history. Nobody's going to question, yep. oh, we're going to take wrestling serious at Delta now? Yep. No. Yep. I mean, wrestling has, has been serious at Delta for a long time. So, so how do you go from – wrestling in Indianapolis where you can't fall out of bed with Landon on another high school because they're like every other block corner to go out where you get to Delta you drive about 20 miles in any direction and you before you run into any Mm -hmm. schools I mean is that kind of a culture shock for you a change not really I so I grew up in uh, Elwood Indiana my entire life Elwood before I moved to Paramuridian in uh, middle school I actually went to Madison Grant so I kind of lived out in this area. I knew it was kind of like, and uh, so nothing new for me there. So, Okay, so uh, looking back, I, I wanted to make sure that I had all my facts right, and I was looking up 184-2 and two <laughs> at Perry Meridian. <laughs> that's, that's three careers for I most do remember, guys. <laughs> I do remember some really intense matches at the Belmont Super Duel. Yep. I don't remember if you remember any of those. Yep, a couple. And uh, I, if I remember right, there was a match – against Tommy Forte Correct. in the Belmont Super Duel. And I remember at one point, <clears throat> I don't remember who Belmont was wrestling at the time, but it was Mishawaka and Perry Meridian, and they stopped the Belmont match. And everybody, everybody in the old gym stopped and watched you two wrestle. So that match is actually still on YouTube, and you can actually see that, where the corner part is where the whole Belmont team was actually watching this match. Yeah, it was at the end of the day, so... The, the, the Belmont Super Duel back in those days and the 10 or 15 years prior was a heck of a lot of fun. And I do remember that pretty vividly. But a state champ in 2013 and 2014. So, like you said, you've been to the state finals. You've wrestled in the state finals. Now you want to coach in the state finals. Tell us a little bit about the boys that you have now at semi-state who you're hoping to take to that parade of champions next week. Yeah, we've got five guys, um, one senior, and then we've got four um, that are underclassmen, one one freshman and and uh, three sophomores. So um, it's going to be fun and exciting for them. I think a lot of them it's going to be something new, um, new experience. We've only got two guys that were there last year, no guys that have ever even made the state finals. Um, but I think they're excited and they're rolling right now. Um, for all of our young kids and our team, um, we had 10 freshmen, sophomores in the starting lineup as a whole. Um, we only graduate one senior, like I talked about before. We've got a young middle school team as well. I mean, we've got 35 kids on our middle school team, and 15 of them are sixth graders. So this team is young from top to bottom from our youth program all the way to our high school program. So we're going to continue to grow and try to make those numbers bigger and better for next year where we have five now and we get six or seven next year. So And then eight or nine the next year after that. So, so I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit because we typically – broadcast just about every belmont match on the schedule yep how close are we to getting belmont and delta back on the schedule together uh when i was a kid growing up watching john sheets wrestle i remember one year we'd drive down there Mm -hmm. and then the next year we'd come up here and we'd root against kirkoff and all those guys (laughs) uh and then that you know as delta fell off the map a little bit in the in the 2010s probably that match went away then, mm-hmm. and all we, all we did was see each other at regional. Uh, 
we have any updates on on uh, Belmont Delta dual meet on a Thursday night next year or when, something? When you reached out to me about it, uh, saying that they wanted to get it back going, I was pretty excited. Uh, pretty excited about it myself. So I said something to my AD. I think a few weeks ago I got an email update from our AD about it, and he said, "Hey, if we want to make this happen." Come see me after season. We can start to fix the schedule around there. So I think we'll probably get that happened at the end of the at the end of the year. So well, we've had the we've had the uh, the the pleasure of of calling a couple of Adam Central Delta matches the last couple of years, and that's been a great dual meet between those two teams. Whether it's been at Delta and we've done it from there, and we've done it from the SAC at at Adam Central, but to rekindle and it's one of the things that Belmont did two years ago. I give credit to Coach Gunsett for this getting Snyder back on the schedule and that traditional opponent in the Belmont schedule, getting Delta back on just seems the right thing to do. You know, I started refereeing in 82 and um, that was when uh, Delta was making their runs, their five state championships. And I locked in and had a good couple of years of schedules where I was doing dual meets and Brad Williamson and I were one year did the Delta Indianapolis cathedral match. And you couldn't have squeezed two more people in the gym if you had to, I mean, I guess there there'd been threats back and forth, and they'd sent black roses. The cathedral had sent them to Delta. This place was crazy, and I, I got this big match. And uh, in between periods, the cathedral crowd goes nuts. And I was like, what's going on here? I, I, I don't know what's happening. And, and uh, Bud Palmer Sr. pulls me over and said, Rex, I need to talk to my wrestler a minute. He comes back and said, that'll never happen again. What happened? Well, here... When I turned my back to flip the coin, he hid behind and he double-birded the uh, cathedral crowd, and they went nuts. And then they, I talked to Delta guys that told me, they said, yeah, we knew who that was. And it's like, I thought the place was going to erupt. It was just ridiculous. And, and that's those kind of old matches that to see a Belmont-Delta match come back, I think that's something that is, can only be positive. For sure. For both programs going forward, I think so, too. So before we end this session, I thought we would go through and look at, I don't know how much time you've spent on the new classifications between uh, team state classes. One of the things to keep in mind with team state is that they, they go ahead and they remove all the teams who don't have half a team. So you've got to have seven guys in your lineup to count for classification. So if you've got a program like, I don't know, how many guys did Randolph Southern have? Two. Just two guys. Yep. You know, they're not a team or a program who's competing as a team, so they're removed. So we take all of those teams out, and then we split it evenly into thirds. The Southern Wells is... Yeah, one, two, and three, and then we take that top three now, and we split it into 4A and 3A. But everything else stays the same. So I thought that it was interesting looking at enrollments, and I got the qualifications up here and not the enrollments, but one of the things that I thought was interesting was that Centerville moved up from 1A to 2A. And I found that really interesting because they wrestled really, really well in 1A this year. Um, now, oh, team classification. Here it is. And, you know, typically 1A has kind of been dominated by Adam Central and Prairie Heights, but some of the other teams that have done really, really well from there have been the ones who have been the very biggest 1A teams, and some of those have moved up. And now, of course... I'm going to give Joe Caprino a hard time because now I can't <laughs> find the gosh darn thread because I was looking at the... He's, at the, he's slowing down the greatest talk show in the state of Indiana, wrestling talk show. I state. know. I'm sorry. <clears throat> but uh, did you notice anything from the from the assignments for the classes? Um, I think Centerville was the biggest one that I'd seen that moved up. Other now, than that, I'm not sure. Now I found it. Okay. So 3A, 
the smallest schools in 3A are Jasper, East Noble, and New Haven. So from a Belmont perspective, East Noble, New Haven, DeKalb, all of those schools, Columbia City, they're all up in 3A, most of the schools. So Belmont, practically the smallest, just Belmont, Norwell, and 2A. Uh, Ron Collier remains in 3A. They're one of the smallest 3A schools. In 2A, uh, up at the top, it's mostly the same schools. New Prairie stays 2A. Uh, Leo's been at, at Team State before, Wawasee. They're all in the top 10 of biggest 2A schools. Down at the bottom, though, schools that have wrestled in 1A team state, Southridge, they were at 1A this year. They're up to 2A. <coughs> Centerville, 1A to 2A. Rensselaer Central, they were 1A this year. They move up to 2A. They've been 1A the last two years. They've wrestled uh, Adam Central. So a couple of changes there that I think are pretty significant when you're looking at who's going to qualify in those types of things. And, and then as you are telling me the other day, Belmont, with a bunch of Seniors graduating, they were the 2A state champions. The regional champion, the sexual champion, may not get invited to Team State next year. But that's why those wins, <clears throat> and I know it's hard to get that perspective, but when you're looking at Team State scoring and you go, oh, Belmont moved up from 12th to 11th or 10th, that doesn't happen if Blake Luganbill doesn't score in the third period there. Yeah. It doesn't happen <clears throat> if, if, if Timo Austin doesn't get the, the pin in the first round. Those were underclassmen who went from sectional third placers, regional qualifiers, to now semi-state qualifiers. But, but I understand why you do that, because otherwise you end up like uh, Coach Culp at Columbia City, and you're, you qualify, and you, you come out and say, look, my team is not what it should be, and I don't want to go in there and take a spot that I don't think I deserve and go in there and not perform well, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bow out. And I think that's the admirable thing to do to make the tournament the strongest it can be. And 3A certainly <laughs> turned out to be pretty competitive this year couple of the, uh, you know, we talk about some of the teams that didn't get classified. There's some pretty big schools who didn't end up with seven wrestlers. South Bend Adams really struggled this year. Uh, Gary West, Christmas Addicts, East Chicago Central didn't have seven guys this year. The South Bend schools I know have really struggled. They're all on this list. Adams, Washington, Clay, none of them uh, qualified to have seven guys. So that really changed the classes because you've got five or six schools who would be 4A who aren't ended up classified at all, and that bumps everybody up. By the way, uh, Indianapolis Cathedral would have ended up wrestling 3A had they not chosen to move up. Modern day would have been 2A. So with that, the first period has come to an end. We'll send it back to studio for a round of commercials. We'll be back with the second period right after these messages. Winter might be here, but that doesn't mean that we can't think about golf. Give Cross Creek Golf Club a call at 724 724- 4316 or visit their website crosscreekdecatur.com for all of your off-season golf needs. Memberships and gift cards make great presents for the golfers in your life. Book an outing for this year, but hurry as they fill up fast. March is just right around the corner. Cross Creek, a proud supporter of Belmont Athletics and Belmont Wrestling. Hi, this is Jesse from Heller Nursery in Decatur, Indiana. We are celebrating 75 years in business with three generations of Heller still working. During these winter months, we have a great selection of pottery and houseplants in our greenhouses. New shipments in weekly, and stay up to date with Heller Nursery on Facebook. Stop in at Heller Nursery for a breath of fresh air. Don't forget, Heller Nursery is open seven days a week, including Sundays. Check out hellernursery.com for our spring tree and shrub options. Independently owned and operated, 
Haggard, Sefton, Hershey, and Zelt Funeral Home, located in the heart of downtown Decatur, has been serving the funeral needs of Adams County and the surrounding area for over 114 years. Whether it's at need, a prearrangement, or a monument sale, our small staff is here to provide comfort in your time of need and make our home feel like an extension of your home as we assist you in honoring the life of your loved one. Welcome back to Hager Sefton Hershey's Elf High School Wrestling Weekly, hosted by Double Eagle here at Cross Creek. Once again, live from the Double Eagle Clubhouse Grill as we make our way into the second period as we've changed special guests. They rode up in the same car, but uh, we have our new guest, uh, Jacob Grave, assistant coach of the Delta Eagles. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> so uh, your name came up as we were going through. We watched Ike Rubel win a fourth regional title, and I got a, a, a text from... My buddy John Becker, or Bon Jecker, depending on what you call him. And uh, he said, hey, I, th I think Bryce was a four-time regional champ. I said, I don't think he was. And uh, you and Bryce Bumgartner had a, a pretty decent rivalry there for a couple of years. Yeah, we did. Uh, we actually grew up wrestling, like, practicing with each other a lot. Like when we were uh, like middle school and elementary and whatnot. But, yeah, we had a pretty good rivalry. wrestled semi-state every year, it seemed like, and regionals every year, it seemed like. But it was fun, though. I loved wrestling. So you bought me a lot of credit your senior year because <laughs> our pal, A.J. Bradley, I remember it well. It was your senior year, and I remember him texting me. He says, Dane, who's your dark horse? I said, Jacob Gray is going to be a state champion. I had it on my pick -em sheet, and I'm sure A.J. will text us here in the next 30 seconds to confirm. <laughs> I was with you all the way from Friday night on, and you ended up uh, – delivering and winning a state title and becoming the next state champion for, for Delta. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your memories from, from that year? Well, actually, during football that year, I dislocated my shoulder. And uh, that was kind of something I battled all year. Came out at Mooresville, had to wrestle Walton in the finals at Mooresville. He beat me, whatever, no big deal. But that Nathan, was just kind of Nathan, something. Nathan Walton? Yeah, Nathan Walton. Yeah, super, super tall yeah, and tall. lanky, remember him? And... Uh, <clears throat> But then I, after, like, regionals, I felt like I kind of started getting hot almost. But I really turned it on at the state tournament. I felt like I wrestled, like, some of the best wrestling I've ever wrestled, honestly. And uh, wrestling Lucas Davison in the finals, uh, he's a good friend of mine, too. I grew up wrestling him a lot, him and Andrew both. But that was just a fun year. I had a lot of fun. And so how do you take that now as uh, an assistant coach? You're helping guys who are 14, 15 years old and just trying to, you know, crack the varsity lineup, and they look up to you, and, and they're reminded, oh, crap, he was a state champ. How does that transfer over to you as an assistant coach, having I, that success? I just try to make them have fun because, I mean, if you're having fun and it makes you kind of want to work harder almost, like they kind of start to buy in. The more fun you have, like make it fun, harder it seems like they want to work. Like our 170-pounder one of the hardest working dudes on the team and just loves having fun but that's just kind of my thing just having fun so we still have coach LeCount here on us and i'm going to ask you um what do you do to boost your state champion assistant coach numbers up because belmont added two more this year so we're at five i know you get three yourself jacob and uh and uh, David Locke, but uh, what do you need? You need to load a few more up. You're still too short on Belmont. Well, we just start counting the team state titles as well. So <laughs> no, they got to be individuals. But uh, what? What do you? I mean, what's it like to have that kind of coaching 
knowledge from state champions in your team and and how do you get those guys you just don't they just don't fall off the tree i know no it's uh it's a pleasure of mine to have all these guys help me out because you just get different experiences from different coaches and i don't know it's just awesome to have everybody together like that i mean your coaching staff is what makes your team it's it's not just me it's all the other guys behind the scenes so to be able to have this type of help i think is just awesome as it is well i know i I've told this to Dane and both Daisy on on the radio all year long. I mean, with the addition of Billy Baker into the Belmont lineup, we've watched our heavier weights and upper weights just struggle to be competitive over the past few years. And we talk about Henry Kukulhan. If you watch Henry Kukulhan and and, um, Keegan Martin wrestle, you'll see that Billy Baker influence there. I mean, the heavy hands, the slide buys, the throw buys, I mean, that is just a total positive that has been added into the team just by putting Billy Baker in the lineup because you can see his influence on them on a mat. So what does a a practice look like for you guys? What are your specialties? We'll talk about David, and he didn't end up coming for the show, but what's sort of his role as an assistant? I mean, he's just kind of like the moral support guy almost, but, I mean, I love Dave Locke. I mean, he tells us something we show wrong, and, I mean, He's most one of the most knowledgeable guys about wrestling I know. Like uh, I mean, like showing single leg, like different ways to finish it. That I don't know. You or I never really finish yeah. it like that, but old school. That old school baby, <laughs> it works. It still works. I think he's also kind of just like a little bit of the life of the team. He's uh, he's one of the funniest guys I think I know too. He's <laughs> yeah. he's a character, and if you ever need somebody to laugh or anything like that, it'll be like, hey, Locke. Go talk to that guy. And he, he, he can he can pick somebody up just like that. So. He's, he's the mentor. He's the mentor yes. in a group. Yep. And you need guys like that. Mm-hmm. You, you, you need somebody who, who brings in that sort of attitude. We've talked to Coach Gaskell from South Adams before about the role that, that Barry Humble plays where he just brings Barry Humble in to, to come in and coach kids up and be positive with them and make sure that they like being on the team. And sometimes I think as wrestling coaches – we fall into the trap of, of being just so hard on people, but we got to make sure that th- these kids enjoy coming back mm-hmm. and, and they look forward to it. And I think you can see that with certain teams that their attitude is better because they've got positive people in the room with them. And I know Jesse has been on our show numerous times. Uh, usually he's our first guest of the season as he always is. <clears throat> and he, he said that uh, coach humble asked him, what do you want me to do? Jesse he said, I'll work with their bodies. He said, I want you to work with their hearts and their minds. Mm-hmm. And, and Barry's like, I can do that. And he is Barry's that mentor. You know, kids having a bad day, thinks he's got a bad you just take him off the side, talk him up to him. And it's like you got to keep those kids involved and uh, at the level that they need to participate because this is definitely that uh, 10% physical, 90% mental sport that it's not, not all kids can do it. You can go out and be part of a football team and you're on a punt team and somebody screws up and it ain't me. All right. Well, you turn the lights out and you're wrestling in the state finals against uh, Davidson, there's one guy to do it and it's you. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Before my state finals match, I don't know if you watched the face-off or not. I was laughing the whole time because <laughs> before that, me and Locke were joking around in the back, and I shouldn't. I'm not going to say what he was telling me. <laughs> in the back, but <laughs> you probably get the gist. We're save that for the off. pod. Save that for the podcast section. Yeah, we're just goofing off. Isn't that a moment though that, that you'll never forget? You're standing there. There's ten thousand five hundred people uh, on all sides of you, but it's. You and David and I can't for the life of me remember who was it. Gary. Gary, that's who it was. Schleesman. uh, That was there. Mm -hmm. And it's the three of you and you've spent how many years together working to get to that point and then all of a sudden, boom, there you are. Oh, yeah. It was just awesome. I mean, Gary started coaching me and I was probably 
fifth or sixth grade. Like he coached our middle school team. And then after my freshman year, he became the high school coach. And it just kind of, I always practice with him even in the summer and everything. And I think that's something that's unique to wrestling. Uh, somebody as a sports editor who follows, I'm, I'm at every sport every week, the whole season. You don't see that. You guys have programs where they start with ninth graders. And they've had middle school coaches who have coached them up and gotten them to a certain point, a certain ability level, a certain expectation level. But in wrestling, it's completely different. You are, you know, I've got a seven-year-old, and Tim Myers will be there tomorrow at club practice, and, and he'll, be, he'll be tapping him on the shoulder saying, hey, Marco, I'm glad you're here, that kind of thing. And it, it goes from the time you put a singlet on or put those wrestling shoes on at four or five years old all the way up until you're 18. Oh, yeah. And, and, and having a guy like, like, like David, I, I think, is, is, a, is a positive. For, for you as a young coach, mm -hmm. especially, I would think having somebody of, of his age, a Hall of Famer who just shows up without any questioning as to whether he's going to be a part of the team, has to be a real big positive. And not only a Hall of Famer, but he won the Mental Attitude Award, too, his senior year. So he's just all around got it all. He knows how to influence the kids. So. And I think one of the benefits that you have in this Delta resurgence, let's call it, is uh, with the closure of Muncie Southside, you know, Johnny Smith had that state championship team with Tony Abbott and Jeff Pease and Danny Whitcliffe and Foreman and those guys and uh, Gonzalez. And it's like those guys, their kids are all going to Delta, and it's like we're not going to come and be embarrassed by a Delta wrestling match. What are we going to do? And those guys got together, and they, they put that, that program on our shoulders, and they brought it back, and then they made it an influence and said, let's go get Cody LeCount to coach this team. Yeah, for sure. And then the, when we saw the facilities when we were there for volleyball a year or two ago. Wasn't done uh, yet, but it was on its way. How fun <clears> is that <throat> to bring kids in and say, hey, you can, come, you can come wrestle here? I know it's one of the things that Belmont did three or four years ago. Uh, Sean Farout was instrumental in that and said, God, you come up here and it is dingy and smelly and dark and dirty. And kids want new flashy things they want to come up and be proud of what they had and that's one of the things that belmont's done over the last three or four years is is, is upgraded things and updated it and make it look fresh and a new coat of paint does a world of good but that is nothing in comparison to the facility that you guys have now yeah it's uh i was pretty fortunate to walk into that um we've got almost four full mats and two lane track around the outside and a brand new weight room right below us that's enough room for probably the football team volleyball team and wrestling team all at once um I think it brings a lot of life to the team because since the 80s, they've only practiced on the balcony. They've rolled mats out up. They've rolled them out and had to put them up every single day. And, like, even Locke, every day he walks into practice, he's always just like, man, this is just still unreal. He's like, I still remember practicing out on the balcony. We're doing sprints at the end of practice. He's like, I remember when we had to do it out on the gym floor. And just it just changes the culture of the team and just obviously helps our growth and everything too. So. Yeah, it's certainly a disadvantage for some of those small schools who have to deal with mats. And we've always talked about Southern Wells having to roll out their mats in the cafeteria and push the tables back and all those types of things. It just think, makes things that much more difficult. Uh, the food tonight at the Double Eagle, great as always. And uh, we were talking on Saturday during our regional broadcast, and I'm not sure if you guys are aware of this, but with all the COVID restrictions last year and the limited amount of tickets and, and with – Ike Rubel, having been in the state finals as a sophomore, hopefully returning as a junior, there are a lot of people who were just like, I'm not going to drive all the way down there without the guarantee of a ticket. And so what did a lot of people do? They came in here. Jason, uh, who just walked in, 
he had our radio broadcast over the loudspeakers, and there were people here gathering just to listen to high school wrestling. And uh, you don't find that in a whole lot of places anywhere else in the, in the state of Indiana. And we really enjoy the, this being our home. I mean, it, this program didn't have a home, and uh, Jason stepped up and said, yeah, I, I want it. And uh, some nights we get a, a big crowd out here to, uh, to help boost his uh, revenue, but uh, we really enjoy him uh, hosting our show here. And with that, I'm going to send it back to studio for a round of commercials. We'll be back with the uh, third period right after this. Bowers Paint Studio on West Monroe Street in Decatur is hands down the best auto body repair shop in the Midwest. That's why your friends and neighbors give Bowers Paint Studio a five-star rating on Facebook. Your family ride get dinged in an accident? Take it to Bowers for a free estimate. Need a custom paint job for your collectible car or motorcycle? Bowers Paint Studio is the place to go. Nate works with all the insurance companies and can help you get a loaner. That's Bowers Paint Studio on West Monroe Street in Decatur. DDD Maintenance and Repair, owned and operated by Shane Reynolds, has your local professionals for heavy-duty truck and diesel engine repair. DDD Maintenance and Repair also offers full-service sand and glass blasting for your surface restoration projects. Whether it's getting your heavy-duty truck and diesel engine running like new or sandblasting your project to look like new, we have a blast renewing the past. Give Shane and the guys a call at 260-223-5442. That's DDD Maintenance and Repair. When you're doing new construction or remodeling and you need drywall, the name to call is Paul Baker Drywall. Paul Baker Drywall does championship caliber work and gives you free estimates. Paul uses all the latest styles for your approval and his work is always guaranteed. Give Paul a call today at 701-4388. That's 701-4388. When it's time for drywall, use the best Paul Baker Drywall. Back to the Hager Sefton Hershey's Zell High School Wrestling Weekly, hosted with Double Eagle here at Cross Creek once again, live from Double Eagle Clubhouse Grill, joined by our our most uh, attended guest, Kenny Williams. How you doing, Coach? Good. You? We're here. We had a great we had a great tournament yesterday. Watched some great matches. Uh, I don't care who you were rooting for. There was great matches to be found all the whole time, all over the state. Yeah. It's exciting times. So, Kenny, I got to ask you. Yes, sir. Going into talking about conference, sectional, regional, semi-state. What's, what's your favorite round? If you had to pick one round, if your wife said, hey, you got to stay home this year, but I'll let you go to one round, which one would it be? Ticket round. I no doubt so. about it. There's something special about it, isn't there? Well, it's such a culmination for so many of the kids that that's actually their dream. A lot of kids have dreams of winning a title. A lot of kids have dreams of meddling. But for the most part, kids want to make it there. They want to do the lap on Friday, and that seals there's, the deal. There's plenty of kids who, if you said, hey – you're not going to meddle, but I'll guarantee that you can make it to Friday night, and they'd happily go lose on Friday night. 100% all day. Because all right. it's, it's an extension uh, uh, of the season by a week, but it's getting to that, that, that final stage. And, and, you know, the difference between placing seventh or eighth and, and just qualifying, it, it's so much different from losing in the ticket round as a senior 
and, and finishing as that state qualifier? Well, it's the, the pomp and circumstance that goes with it, too. I mean, I, I, watch, I watch them do the lap every year, and I, I just want to see everyone I know make that lap because mm-hmm. it's so, so important, especially for a lot of guys up here. Now, in other semi-states, they're super concerned with winning medals, but for our guys, when they make the lap, they've, they've done what they came to do, and, and it's just fulfillment. And we get those goosebumps, too. We, we talk to a lot of coaches, not just here from Adams County, but, you know, last year. We were rooting so hard for A.J. Bradley's Jason Orr to make it just because we want to see A.J. down there on the floor representing Muncie Central, <clears throat> all these coaches that we talk to. We don't want to see Delta go without a guy on Friday night. We don't want to see any of those coaches that we talk to. We want to see Andy Oberlin down there with somebody from Homestead walking, representing every school that, that, that we see throughout the season. You know, if Andy Oberlin gets somebody down there or if somebody comes out of the Fort Wrestling facility, that will tell him that all of his hard work and dedication and the money he's thrown into the Fort Wrestling facility has paid off if he can get a Fort Wayne kid in there that wouldn't have been there without his efforts. Well, let's just hope that Coach Oberlin doesn't use the singlet challenge on oh. Friday night. <laughs> now, we were talking about Vision Quest and the, and the singlet and the that – I don't. I don't think we want to go there. No, we don't. There are some interesting. He's photos. listening right now. I, I know he I'm is. Sure, he has to be. You know, you talk about the ticket round. Uh, as a spectator, as a coach, as a wrestler, everybody's like, "Oh, the ticket is all the pressure on." You guys ever think what it's like to be the referee, referee <laughs> matches in the in the ticket round? You know, you make one bad call, like our buddy did last week. You, that's where dreams go to die. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's AJ's line, but that's where dreams go to die in the ticket round. And if, if you go in there and make a mistake and make a, just a bad call that you're not willing to change, I mean, you just change somebody's life. Hey, why don't we give a shout-out to the officiating crew this weekend? I thought they were solid. I thought everybody, from, from Jeremy to the birthday boy Josh to, to all of them, I thought they did a really nice job. And uh, we didn't really talk about the officiating at, at all. Uh, there were obviously some stalling calls that, that made some pretty big differences, but, you know, a lot of those that we were calling, at least, you and I were calling them before they hit them with it. You and could, you they could, weren't afraid to make that stall call either. But the thing that I need to call out is that uh, Josh Howard had a couple of matches where guys had head injuries, head trauma, and instantly he went into there's no time on this. And the Jay County uh, training staff, Overby, two big head hits. They took all the time they needed to make sure that that young man was ready to go. And if he wasn't ready to go, they weren't going to let him go. And uh, the safety protocols that they put in place that they used for those matches, I, I just respected them all, all to death. So. For sure. And I know that Josh was getting excited about which semi-state that he was going to get. He was hoping for the Evansville semi-state because he said that he hadn't had that one yet. And he was hoping for the, <coughs> for the travel to go down there and be a part of that. Yeah, and they, they put you up at the uh, casino it, at the is gambling it place. At, is it at the, the big new arena now again? It's not at Jasper this year, is it? It used, used, to, be a, used to be at Roberts Arena. Yeah, I think that's where it is again. I think they moved it to Jasper just last year because of COVID or whatever, but I think it's back to where I worked at Simmons State uh, two, maybe three times, and it was always at Seymour High School. I went in John Mellencamp's nephew one year. Yeah? Jimmy Mellencamp. That's interesting. I've never been to any other semi-state. I know, and I've, and I've talked about that before, but how could you miss one? You can't. You can't give I up don't. on Fort Wayne to go look at something else. Uh, referee, twenty-five years. They'll send you all over the place. Well, that's that. You're getting paychecks <laughs> and big ones. That's so true. you know, those are big, big dollars. <laughs> big dollars. Absolutely. And I know, you know, one year, um, my wife had a friend who was who was living up near uh, Gary, and we went to the Trakeoff one year instead of going to where Belmont was. And man, how cool was it to go to a different tournament with great teams that you'd never been to before? I do agree. 
Maybe we could get the IHSAA one year to stagger the semi-states. There you go. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Monday? Or just do Saturday, Sunday, and do 8 a.m. and do the second one, start at 1 o'clock. And you get it done I do. I, I would love to go to a Newcastle semi-state. Obviously, uh, the Maryville semi-state is no more now. You've got to go to East Chicago Central. But you hear all those rumors, and you hear people talk about it, and it's like I've never been to a Connorsville because I've been to the Al Smith every year for 30 years. Yeah, you can't you can't give up on what you know, and especially know when you know the the product is quality. Like there would be no reason for me to leave Fort Wayne. It's an hour away. I'm happy going to Fort Wayne every year. You know, I, I worked Connorsville for 15 years. I've worked I worked Maryville. Uh, if you've never been to the semi state in the region, you have not lived. It's a little different atmosphere, it, huh? I tell you what, those people up there they're wound a little bit tighter than they are most places in the world. One year I was there as refereeing it. I was on the off mat, and I was taking a break, and Henry Wilk was about 10 feet away from me. And Maryville's gym has this thing that hangs over the top, and all of a sudden a water bottle come flying down and hit right between us and exploded. And Henry's coaching Ben, and I looked at Henry and said, was that for you or for me? And he said, in this area, probably me. <laughs> well, we certainly are spoiled with the Coliseum. It's wide open down there. There's plenty of, there's plenty of room for people to walk down by the floor. Uh, it, it's not, I think, it doesn't induce the, the best crowd atmosphere because it's just so big, and especially so, since the expansion, you're really far away. And you, you talk about those people that, the people that you've heard yell at the officials, yell at the opposing coaches for the last two weeks, sectional and regional at Jay County. By the time they get to their seat at semi-state, you can't hear anything that they say, especially in that Belmont section where they sit, which is typically over the, the line between Matt 3 and 4. If you're all the way over there on Matt 1, you, you don't hear anything that anybody's saying, no matter how loud they even if it's B.J. Farouk. As a, as a referee, you like that. At Merrillville, that place was always too small, and there's people sitting in a front row of the bleachers, and they got their feet on the edge of the mat. And you're going around a corner trying to get down from a pin, and they're reaching out and they'll trip you and stuff. I mean, it's, it was just way too tight. And uh, the Coliseum spoils everyone, and it, it is the – I've never been to Roberts Arena, but it is the best semi-state to referee and I've ever refereed in. Except for the hospitality room, which doesn't exist. Oh, for the referees back when I did, it was fine because Adam Central used to run it, and our hobbyger let nobody go hungry. Not for the media, though. Yeah. Well, but that is what it is. Kenny, before we run out of all of our time in this section, we should probably talk about the Fort Wrestling facility other than talking about Coach Oberlin in a singlet, well, which some of us were exposed to on uh, yeah, Facebook. It's unfortunate. You can't, un you can't unsee that. No, you can't. My wife tried to show it to me. I was like, no, thank you. I just You keep that to yourself. Whatever. Well, what I really wish you would have done is if you would have worn the polo underneath it, like in Vision Quest. He should have. I think that's the classic Maybe we look. could get him to, to recreate it. Redo it, absolutely. Get some Fort Wrestling Facility polos that are only to be worn under a singlet. <laughs> there you go. Well, you've well, got to get the freestyle singlets, though. You've got to have the low cut. Otherwise, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's super down there. It's below the sternum. Yes. Yeah. With the high cut ones, it just doesn't work anymore. No, you, get, you guys aren't old enough, but you used to have to have a hanky with you, and you have to stick the hanky oh, down. Oh, no, I'm old enough. Yeah. I used to have, you had to, when you were wrestling, you had to pull it out and show it to the referee to make sure you had and it. And you don't want to wipe your face with that thing either. No, you don't. I can't believe that's still not a thing. <laughs> oh, anyways, back to the Fort Wrestling Facility. Yes. Like, uh, I, we did, so our young kids this weekend, uh, last weekend, competed down at Middle School State, and we had some just awesome wrestling uh, from our kids. Uh, they showed a lot of improvement, a lot of heart. I couldn't be more proud of them. Andy was down there uh, coaching all the kids, coaching some extra kids. Uh, just, a, just a great environment that, you know, our Fort Wayne kids were able to, and not just Fort Wayne, but all the county kids were able to compete with, you know, 
Perry Meridian, with Cathedral, with Crown Point, and, and we really showed our stuff down there. And I was really happy with everybody. And I know one thing that Coach Oberlin is really priding himself on is if, if you're a Fort Wrestling Facility kid, no matter what age group that you are, Andy's really priding himself on, on being present at tournaments and having his support staff, his coaches, guys like you that are there making sure, oh, I know that kid. I'm going to make sure that, that, that I've, I've given him some help. Well, yeah, and two things with that. One is it's, he's, everyone's done a fantastic job. We actually compete as a team in a lot of places. We have travel teams that we do uh, all over the country. And then, like, at the local tournaments, we send coaches out to support all the kids. But for a first-time parent, if you've not been in the sport and you show up to a gym, you're expected to follow track wrestling. You're expected to know when your kid is up. It's just, it's overwhelming to a lot of parents, and that's why a lot of kids don't finish. So we, you know, we get a hold of those parents. We walk those parents through what's going on. We're there for the kids. We know when they're up, you know, that sort of thing. So it really eases a lot of tension there. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, just going to rival nights in November and talking to a couple of new wrestling parents from the Decatur Wrestling Club you know they've got all kinds of questions and there's there's only so many adults and parents in a club that can be that can be present to help you out and I think that's one of the nice things about about the fort is not only do you have your own club but then you've also got this attachment to Andy and to his program and just that that further umbrella at any of these events that you go to well and it's, it's great too for the kids as well because they're even though the kids are going to different schools, they're, they're surrounding each other's mats. They're all cheering for each other. It's really ex- – and then we also have times where, you know, two kids in a fort singlet wrestle each other. It's, it is what it is. But the, the whole family environment with the kids cheering for each other, I, I love it. I can't get enough of that. It's super fun. And, and we definitely encourage our kids to compete and want to do what we can for them. Well, we look forward to seeing you on Saturday at the Coliseum. We look forward to a conversation, hopefully, on our broadcast on WZBD with Coach Oberlin. And then we, of course, look forward to seeing all of the Fort Wayne semi-state wrestlers as they get their draws next Sunday. We will be on the air, not on Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday. We're going to leave the day for Mike Gable and Greg Rakestraw. We'll be back on the 14th for our show here on Monday night. With that, we're going to send it back to the studio for a round of commercials, and we'll be back with the overtime section where Dane will tell us everything that's going on on WZBD this week on the radio. Hi, this is Jessie from Heller Nursery in Decatur, Indiana. We are celebrating 75 years in business with three generations of Heller still working. During these winter months, we have a great selection of pottery and houseplants in our greenhouses. New shipments in weekly, and stay up to date with Heller Nursery on Facebook. Stop in at Heller Nursery for a breath of fresh air. Don't forget, Heller Nursery is open seven days a week, including Sundays. Check out hellernursery.com for our spring tree and shrub options. Hi, this is Joel at Decatur Package Liquors, locally owned since 1965. I promise competitive prices and the best service in town. Stop in and ask me for details about our new Beer of the Month Club with all our great variety. We offer bulk buy discounts for weddings, graduation parties, and other big celebrations. Special orders are also available and highly recommended. Don't forget about Wine Wednesday where you get the best savings. Decatur Package Liquor, it's located right on 13th Street, Come on, guys. It's where your friends shop. Looking for a trusted name in home or farm insulation? Ted Sprunger Insulation has been taking care of families in our area since 1978. When it comes to spraying foam and cellulose insulation, Ted Sprunger Insulation can't be beat for service or price. Give them a call today at 273-5068 or at 824-3021. That's 273-5068 
or 824-3021. Ted Sprunger Insulation. Welcome back to Hacker Seppner, Hershey's L High School Wrestling Weekly. Hosted by Double Eagle here at Cross Creek, we've made our way to the overtime period where uh, Dean pulls up his uh, little black book and starts looking to see uh, everywhere that the uh, WZB microphones have to be this week. I got two shout-outs before we get to that schedule, though, first, Rex. If you're worried about getting your vehicle, like I am, up to the Coliseum and then down to Indianapolis next weekend, make sure you give 8th Street Oil a chance to do some uh, auto repair work or some general maintenance. They're giving a, uh, they're honoring the $10 coupon that you might have gotten in the mail. Give them a call at 301-9388. And then we also need to discuss, if you haven't bought your roses yet for next Monday, you need to go to Fields of Grace Floral Boutique in Bluffton. You can go online, put in the code WZBD10, and you'll get 10% off your roses. Depending on how long you're gone away from home, if you try to make a couple extra wrestling meets or maybe you're going to an extra middle school meet this week and you need to buy a dozen roses, then you get even more off than if you're just going with a single stem like the romantic Rex. No, I was thinking that, you know, I somehow talk my wife into be here that Monday night and then uh, they're waiting here for... There you go. Well, we got to get online here after yeah, the sh- after this show and, and get those ordered. So uh, give them a chance. Fields of Grace Floral Boutique, 224 West Market Street in Bluffton. Enter that code online, WZBD10, and get your bouquet ordered today. Taking a look at the schedule, it's a busy one. Tomorrow night we've got the Matt Painter Show. It starts at 6.05. Listen to him talk about the boilers. Of course, Matt Painter, a graduate of Delta High School. We would be remiss if we didn't mention it. And then at 7.05, it's Adams Central versus South Adams in the sectional. Looking for a higher scoring game than they had the other night. <laughs> yeah, well, Adams Central had no problem scoring against Whitco. It was South Adams who just could not find anything against Central Noble. And then on Tuesday night, then, we will get Heritage versus Belmont in the 3A final. Belmont pulling off. Rex, I don't know if you followed it enough, but... Belmont lost their one senior, their leading scorer, their point guard. Two days later, they played Norwell, who was ranked fourth or fifth, their, their mortal enemy. They lost by 33 points. Okay? And then they come into sectional, having lost their backup point guard to a weightlifting injury in Andy Himes' class. She drops a weight on her finger, crushes Thanks. her finger. Thanks, Andy. And they beat Norwell. I saw that come across as like, is that an old tweet? That can't be. This no, no. It was a phenomenal performance, and and all the credit to Coach Andy Heim for the the perfect game plan, and it worked to perfection. But now, you know, they've also lost this year. They lost to Heritage, so Heritage is favored in that final still. But it's going to be a great game Tuesday night. Listen to Matt and Lou; they do a great job. They're entertaining. Tune in for that. That's going to be a seven o'clock tip. And here, here's a little tip for you: Matt didn't like it when you text him and be smart, Alec, on the radio. Anyway. Oh, I came right up to him. <laughs> I came right up to him at the table and threw my stuff down and said, you guys mind if I set this stuff here? And then after I was a, a little bit over the top to him, then he texts me back and he says, hey, you left your camera bag here. I'll bring it to you to school on Monday. And I thought, oh, gosh, darn it. <laughs> so he's got my camera bag, so I can't be too mean to him. Then on Thursday night, we've got Radio Auction, and Radio Auction is going to go from 6 till 8 because then we've got Illinois at Purdue. That's where our buddy Steve Rouse shines. He did. If he, if he can keep... Hey, uh, what's that? What was the ad that he read? Uh, did you hear the new one that he recorded? With his Aunt Nettie? With his Aunt Nettie. Yeah. 
So good. Darling. Darling, what's that number for the radio auction? <laughs> Anyways, uh, we got Purdue and Illinois, another great college basketball game on Thursday. Then on Friday night, we've got intercounty basketball action, Adams Central at South Adams. That's a 7 o'clock uh, pregame. And then on Saturday, we've got the high school basketball coaches <coughs> show. That's going to start at 7.30 with Matt. And then at 8.30, it's wrestling, semi-state action. And we're going to be on the air from 8.30 a.m. until 7 p.m. Until they turn the lights on until, off at the Coliseum. Until Dalton finishes. <laughs> right? Until Dalton gets his hand I'll raised tell you what, as a semi-state champion. If, if, if Dalton could find two wins... What a story that would be. You could write a book about the progression that he's had from a fifth or sixth grader to where he's at now. Um, it, it, I'm excited for him. I, I hope that he really does well. As Steve said, that would be the Matthew Modine moment, like Vision Quest. It when, would. When Dalton I would, Robinson I love, wins the big championship. I love how well-versed Steve is in Matthew Modine and Vision Quest. You, you know the part about that I always get crazy? Everybody else is wrestling, and he's still out in the hallway running to cut weight. Come on. <laughs> He's cutting weight, and the match has already started. I finally weighs in and gets him. He weighs himself. I made it, and they let him wrestle the big match. So then, after wrestling semi-state, then on Sunday, we've got um, Pacers basketball. Pacers made a big trade today. Uh, I think they're kind of mailing it in for the rest of the year. But we got the Super Bowl. Did they pull a Cubs on WZBD the clubhouse? They did a little bit. <laughs> we got the Super Bowl on WZBD. It's going to be a full night of coverage. Uh, if you are one of those people who can't stay up late and listen to the whole Super Bowl and you do the old first half, I go to the party and then I drive home at halftime, tune in to WZBD and listen to it. The coverage is great. Westwood One does a great job. And then tune in for the Matt Painter Show on Valentine's Day the 14th. And then at 7 o'clock, actually I think 7.05. I can't remember whether we have to, we have to wait on Matt. Probably 7.05. We'll call 7.05. Anyways. Uh, we're going to have state brackets to go over. We will give you the rundown of every Friday night opponent for everybody in our area, and we'll give you the preview for, for all of those things. And remember, of this huge crowd that's gathered here tonight on Monday nights, I think Jason has a special for that Valentine's Day. So your, uh, the old uh, only the fryer side of the menu doesn't apply like it does on Sunday night. So remember, special meal on Valentine's Day. And before we go off the air, I wanted to just give a quick shout-out to everybody who was uh, asking about tickets for State. We invited Robert to come on the show. He had something else planned, but he is going to join us next week on Monday. Okay, so a little Valentine's Day wish for you, Rex, I know, to talk to Mr. Falcons. But there are going to be tickets available on Ticketmaster. Those are going to be on sale Wednesday, February 16th at 10 a.m. There are no more general admission tickets at the state finals. Everything is reserved seating. If you want to buy a ticket for Friday, you're going to have to buy it beginning at 10 a.m. on Wednesday on Ticketmaster. And if you want to go to wrestling on Saturday, I hate to tell you this, you will not be able to buy a ticket until all the wrestling is over that Friday night at 10 p.m. Ridiculous. So that is quite a change for some of us who are used to buying that ticket uh, at 1 o'clock in the afternoon on Friday and waiting five hours in the lobby. Like I did for so many years, you can't do that anymore. Thank goodness I get to carry this equipment in and I get in regardless. With that, I'd like to thank all of our sponsors for allowing us to uh, talk wrestling on a Sunday night. I'd like to thank Steve Rouse for running aboard for us. With that, our uh, regular session from WZBD is over and we're going to head into the podcast right after this. So uh, thanks a lot and tune in next Monday night for the next uh, episode of the Hager Stepner Hershey Zeld High School Wrestling Weekly.
Very good. You right. two want to join us back All again here? All right, boys. We're back on. It's podcast time. This is like bonus money. It's like in the OT round. It's on the OT round. Get that back on for you. So I thought that as part of the podcast today, we would uh, go through, weight by weight, this Fort Wayne semi-state. Screw the other three semi-states. We're only caring about Fort Wayne today. We were talking earlier about 106. You're Aiden Bullinger, a little bit underweight, a couple pounds, not uh, taking advantage of the two-pound weight allowance, that's for sure. But uh, he ran into Levi Johns, and, and Levi Johns keeps beating people. And, you know, he comes from a 1A school. Obviously, people know about Bluff, they know about Landon Birch. If they're, if they're you know, my age, they know about Coach Sprunger. But you see a kid from a, a freshman from Bluffton, and you think, oh, you know, eventually he's going to run into somebody in the tournament that's going to beat him. Well, we've made it through regional now, and he's still undefeated. Uh, I think he and May from Peru are probably your top two guys at 106. Yeah, I would definitely uh, agree with that. We didn't know much about John's going into it. We just knew he was going to be probably a little bit bigger, and we we knew he was a tough kid coming into that match, and then he obviously showed it a little bit with his size and just his aggressiveness this weekend. But I think that would be a fun match to watch between uh, May and John's this uh, this weekend at Semi-State. So if you're, if you're out looking for undefeated freshmen, where do you go find those at, Coach? <laughs> Bluffton, I guess. <laughs> well, of course you guys are looking forward to that match because it's in the semifinals according to the Indiana map brackets, and you guys are on the other side. Correct, correct. Yep. Yep. So a little bit of an advantage there for Bollinger. He's got a young man from Western, and uh, the Cameron Straw from Angola, uh, we saw him at Goshen very early on. He's got 43 wins on the year. Yep. So uh, I think 106, a pretty decent even weight class from top to bottom, but I still, when I look at that weight class and I look at the other three, I still worry about where we're going to end up when it comes Friday night. Mm-hmm. Are we going to be able to get one placer out of there, two placers? I don't know. It looks pretty deep statewide. Before we get off that, I'm going to ask coaches, um, what do you guys think about two regional champions at 106 female wrestlers? Oh, it's awesome. That, they're yeah, the real deal. That's what oh, I was yeah. about to say. I was like, you can't leave out Ocampo. I mean, she's looked lights and, out this year too. And, and Crawl Winters. And Crawl as well, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It, and Cantu also advanced to semi-state, and, and we were Buchanan. talking earlier. I don't know if you were there, but Tori Buchanan made it out to semi-state at 113. So four girls wrestling at semi-state this year. Tori Buchanan's a beast. Yeah. She is a beast. She got caught in the state finals. And she's girls. angry. Oh, she, she's got something to prove because she comes walking on a mat. And it's like she was jacked. Yeah. And she was not happy about not becoming a, you know, a four-time state champion. And the young lady beat her was very good. Mm-hmm. For sure. So then looking to 113 pounds, as I breeze through these, we see <clears throat> Cody Rowles as the top-ranked wrestler on his top half of the bracket. Caden uh, Smithley ends up making the finals again. You know, he's kind of a kid who's, who's gone under the radar. We didn't know much about him uh, coming into this year. Uh, down at the bottom, Easton Doster has just one loss on the year. Doster, Tishner. Uh, Wyatt T- Davis from McConaughey. Tishner's tough. Mm-hmm. Keith from tough. from Cowan and Rowles. That's not a bad class for Fort Wayne. Mm-mm. Well, in, any of those guys could place easily. I agree. Yeah. Then at 120, I think one of the most compelling storylines. You know, and we've spent so much time talking about Ike over the last four years, but and I've written about this. 
probably the most defining match of Ike Rubel's career was the loss that he suffered after he beat Ocampo in the semifinals at 106 his freshman year. He loses to Jared Brooks. That loss then pits him against the kid from Crown Point on <coughs> Friday night, and he ends up being just a qualifier as a freshman. But that was a, uh, that was a result that really changed his perspective. He did not like not being a semi-state champ. And we talked about it on air. That was the last match that he lost where we, th- other than the match uh, that he avenged at the Al Smith this year, that was the last match that he lost, in my opinion, that he should have won. The, the, the two matches in the state finals, he was the underdog in both mm-hmm. of them. And he, he kind of got caught out of place and maybe was napping a little bit against the kid from Columbus East at, at the Al Smith. He came back and pinned him immediately when they wrestled the second time and I think said, okay, that was, that was a blip. Don't worry about that. I'm good. <laughs> but uh, now we look at Saturday, and it's going to be Rubel and Brooks, a rematch from freshman year semi-state championship in the ticket round potentially. And I just think there's all kinds of things going through both those boys' heads, and it's going to make it real interesting. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's an, uh, one of those that – with the draws we have these these uh, at the Fort Wayne Semi State at 120, it's there's a bunch of kids in there that are all kind of right there fighting for that spot with like Linzer and uh, Mosier and you got Holloway and all those guys. Any of those guys could have drawn into Ruble, and it would have been a bad draw for them. And I mean, I feel for Brooks, but that's gonna be a fun match I think to watch. But um, like you said, that's just kind of one of those that just. It's just how it happens. Um, and if I'm Hayden Brady from Garrett, I'm not, too, yep. I'm not looking too far ahead to Rubel slash Brooks <clears throat> because he's got to take Curtis. And I, I kind of thought that Tate Curtis kind of struggled earlier in the year, and I was kind of like, oh, I don't know. Is he going to be all that good compared to everybody else that Jay County has down low there? But what I saw from him this weekend, I, I, was, I was a lot more impressed. Yeah, I think he's, he's rounding out the end of the season pretty well. And I would not put it past Carter Overby to be a state qualifier. Yep, yeah. that kid scraps. <laughs> yeah, that kid does. can wrestle. Uh, I, was, I was really impressed with him, and we said that over and over again, all three matches that he wrestled. Cornwell's tough. We've seen him. We know what he can do, but uh, I, I think that's one of the better first-round matches. The, the big match Saturday when uh, Overby tried to slam Ike, and somehow Ike landed better than Overby. <laughs> Overby yeah, 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 knocked himself head. out. But he tried to slam Ike. I mean, they went up in the air, and Ike just kind of landed right. They both took a hard hit, but Overby's head came down, and then when they got up, then uh, Dane said that at one point in time, the Belmont coaches thought that uh, uh, Josh Harb may have called that as a slam on Ike, and it's like, that was initiated. When I did go down to the break, I did talk to Joe, and he said, no, they were were discussing whether, but I think he kind of paid the price himself besides the slam call. They couldn't. He, he's the one who got hurt, and we're going to hit him with a slam call also. He was going to disqualify himself. You slammed a kid, and you knocked yourself out, and you're out of the match. Yeah. yeah. So uh, at 126 pounds, uh, I thought that things were going to shake out well, but then Tony Wood ends up driving, uh, drawing Mikey Calamani, and I thought one, two, three, four were going to be able to go through. But there's a couple other names in there that, I, that I'm interested in. I saw some good things from Isaiah McHugh from Angola earlier in the year. That's who Gavin Cook might have in the, in the ticket round. But I, I still think Aiden Sprague is, is the class of that, of that weight class. Yeah. yeah. At 132 pounds, obviously, we talked earlier the fact that it was an all ACAC 1, 2, 3, 4 <laughs> at our regional. 
and you've got three guys who are returning uh, state qualifiers, along with Colton Bullenbacher, who's shown that he can wrestle with anybody, but he ends up drawing number one Dylan Stroud undefeated right off the bat. That's going to be a really tough match for, for Colton. Uh, then that puts Stroud and Birch on the same half, which potentially opens up somebody on the other side. And honestly, if you look at that bracket and you look at who's been wrestling well the last two weeks, you could easily see Logan Allman in the finals at 132. Yeah, because, I, I mean, his kryptonite is Landon Birch, but he's wrestled well and got closer to him each week. And uh, Allman's there. Yeah, so uh, that's an interesting one. Uh, Allman has been right there. He's got four, four losses. No, three. He's got three losses to Birch. One to Calvin Farrow. He's got the one to Calvin Farrow in the duel, and he lost uh, in the match at Team State when he was up early and then lost. And that was the first weekend that he was <clears throat> that he was back. So he's definitely improved from the product that we saw him put out on the mat on January eighth. And I think that bodes well for him going forward because if we look back to last year at State, I think he was ninth or 10th best there. Uh, the kid from Penn that, that, that beat him, uh, he was not going to beat. But I think if you look at some of the other draws, I think he, he's right there. And I think that's probably right where he is right now. At 138 pounds, you guys were gushing over Dobie Litchfield earlier. Um, you know, he didn't get a chance to wrestle Garen, sir, but, you know, hey – the number one guy gets beat by somebody and then you beat that guy, then all the props to you. And Dobie had a match real early at the Al Smith on day one. Uh, he came off the mat and said, I don't know what happened. I couldn't feel my, couldn't feel my hands. I, couldn't, I wasn't there. He led, I think, 5-1 on this kid from Maryville. And I think he was at 5-1 going into the third period. Ends up going 5-5, I think. And then he gives up a takedown in overtime. He comes back and he wins eight with eight matches, seven matches in a row to take third, and he hadn't lost all year. That's the only match that he's, that he's lost. I think he has to be the favorite at 138 pounds. I would say so. After watching him wrestle this weekend, I think he's wrestling lights out right now. Um, I think that whole regional is yeah. was tough, and to come out as the one at that regional, I think just shows that you're ready to go going into the semi-state, which is the best time to be rolling. So. You know, because you got a real tough 38-pounder coming mm -hmm. in there and Dylan Tuttle, and, yep. and, and Litchfield takes him out in the first period, and, yep. and like I said, Litchfield's just wrestling really, really well, and we see him all the time, so we just wondered what other people's perspective of him was, and like I said, that's one thing that uh, Coach Meyer has told those guys that came out, look, we're going to change our style of wrestling. We're going to be heavy hands. We're going to be hot. We're going to be on you. And Litchfield just got dialed up, and he's going at another speed. And when kids come out here, and, and, and he hits them on the head and hits them down, about, next thing you know, they're caught in a Palmer cradle in their pin, and it's like, wait a minute, that match is over quick against a real solid kid. There are very few high school athletes that compete when you're talking about speed. And I'm not talking about foot speed. I'm talking about a person who has a motor and an energy and even a mouth like Dobie Litchfield. Yeah. He never stops. And you talk to his cross-country coach, you talk to anybody else, you talk to the baseball coach, I mean, he's just boom, 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 and he never stops. Yeah, we saw him in baseball season. He, he was sitting on a bench about the first three, four seasons, uh, games into the season. Next thing you know, he's, leading, he's batting leadoff. <laughs> he asked me a week or two ago if I knew what the, what the school record was for stolen bases because he's interested in, in being <laughs> a, ba awesome. a base dealer this spring. You know, the first... And I don't know how well you guys know him, but 
first three or four games, Rex and I called two of them. He was shagging fly balls on the very end of the bench. Coach wasn't giving him a look at all. And I think the new coach realized, man, this kid's got a motor and is going to give us full energy all nine innings, actually, all seven innings. Actually, we forgot that was the year before. We didn't have baseball season last year. No, we did have baseball season last year. It was two years ago. Two years ago, baseball. okay. Yeah. But uh, his, his motor just never stops running, and we've seen that in cross country. And as a senior now, a kid who qualified for state last year, I think he knows if I want to win a state medal, I need to be a semi-state champion. I am not going to risk yeah. – a draw as a runner-up or a third placer, I'm going to be a semi-state champion, and I'm going to get my medal. But, Cody, like you said, you come out, I mean, any one of those guys coming in there, if you wrestle like a, a Peru semi-state uh, regional champion, any one of those four guys that come out of the kind of regional could win mm-hmm. their first-round match. Yeah, yeah. Who, wants to, who wants to wrestle Dylan Tuttle first? Yeah, <laughs> first Tuttle's, a, Tuttle's a four. I mean, that's just a tough match. Or Julius is a three. That's just yeah. that's yeah, rough. That's so. a tough first-round match. At 145 pounds, I think that the two names that you've got to watch out for are Toby Abbott, Brody Arthur, obviously are right there. You guys, I think, with Ronimus, not a bad draw. Braden yeah. Baker in the first round, and then uh, Bell Humor and the kid from Peru. Uh, you know, number eight and number 10 in the semi-state rankings and two un- uh, unranked guys. Uh, got to be kind of excited about his chances. Absolutely. Yeah, most definitely. Being a four, I mean could have drawn Arthur or Miller from Lakeland and I mean we got the draw we would have wanted now we've obviously got to go wrestle because he's still a really good opponent uh, you can't take anybody lightly at this time of the year but it's just we're excited for that so it could have been worse exactly yeah at 152 obviously we've spent a lot of time talking about Curry and Dahl but uh, there's some pretty good wrestlers in that weight class too Chase Leach is awfully good uh, Brady Porter is not Brody Porter but he's still not bad from Eastern. Uh, A.J. Dahl's got Austin Bricky, who's well-coached and, and has had a lot of experience. And I know uh, he's a senior for Carroll. Joe has talked a lot about him. And uh, I was really impressed. You know, reason Davenport took down Garrett Manley five times <clears throat> in that opening round and just kind of shook him and ended his career without, I think, Garrett even realizing what was at stake. Yeah. I, don't, I think he realized what was at stake, but I think he realized I'm not going to be able to, to counter this guy like I'm used to other guys. And before he knew it, he was down four points with 30 seconds left, and it, it was over. Uh, but that Mitchell Betts from Western He's tough. also yeah, was tough. really good against Manley when we saw him at Team State. So He was like undefeated at Team State. He still is undefeated <laughs> and just, yep. a, just a sophomore and ranked number two in the semi-state. So uh, I know that Alex Curry has really high, lofty goals. He wants to do the same thing that his dad did and wrestle under the lights. There's nothing that we've seen so far that has said, no, he can't do that. I, I think he's very much on track. They've got him ranked fourth in the state. Yeah, he looks really good. He does look good right now. Uh, and we've all been around Indiana High School Wrestling enough to know that if you're undefeated, ranked two, three, four, you got a pretty decent shot at making it under the lights because those draws sometimes, by the time you get and you advance, you may not have to beat number two or number three to get under the lights, right. and you're, you're right there. So I, I would absolutely lose my mind if we could see Alex Curry wrestle under the lights in the, in the state finals at 152. You know, you guys seen that. He's got, he's got a pretty awesome cross-face cradle. Belmont has been known for cross-face cradles over the year, but I'll tell you what, some of the central guys, Blake Hirely and Alex Curry, they lock them up tight. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. At 160 pounds, I think I've used the, the word mean almost too much, but uh, 
I'm really excited about a potential Caden Lone versus Duke Myers rematch. That was a brawl at the Al Smith. Those two guys were going at each other. And those Northwood guys, you were telling a story earlier, got a little bit of a mean streak with they Coach do, Andrews, they? Coach Lewis, and, uh, and with Coach Lone, Caden's dad, alone. But looking at the other side of the bracket, then uh, I, you know, I'm trying to remember what I should know about Logan Farnell from McConaughey. They got him ranked number two in the semi-state behind Duke. He's 40-1. and one. Have you guys seen him this year? We have not, no. 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 So that's sort of I – mean, we've, we've run into a couple of situations where Belmont guys have, have had an idea that they were going to advance further in the semi-state and finish first or second. They ran into one of those guys from the Peru Regional where we're not all that familiar with them, and all of a sudden it's like, man, that kid was pretty good. I had an interesting conversation with uh, Tony Abbott and his, and his son, uh, Toby. I'm walking down through there, and I, I looked at Toby and said, uh, your little brother didn't want much to do with Duke in that match. And Tony, Tony says, yeah, he's a little light for that weight. And Toby, Toby says, I want him. <laughs> his dad looking goes, no, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> well, we, um, my call, I guess I, I enjoyed Austin Christner's um, win in the first round, but my call of the, of the round on Saturday was the throw that Duke Myers hit. Duke did some hay baling for us last summer, and it looked like he just took him as a bale of hay and threw him up in the mow, and he went flying. He, he bear-hugged him and just tossed him from his feet, almost like the salto if you're in front. He just boop, and tossed him out of bounds. And I mean, it, you could have called it a slam because that's a freestyle full-out throw. <laughs> Nothing but back. It's like, oh. I think 160 is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. As far as, as not, you know, sometimes you look at the fun matches and those are the close competitive, the three twos and the four, four threes. I think what you're going to see are some fireworks between <coughs> Lone and Myers and some of those other guys. Is that a semi match? At 160. Yes, they're on the same half. Lone and Myers are. Um, the other guy that's in there also is Kamani Howard. And I believe, if I remember right, that's who, that's who Duke Myers beat last year yeah. in the ticket round. And that's an interesting match for Lone there. From the Cats with a K. In the ticket round. At 170 pounds, I don't know, maybe we're talking about Levi Johns, another kid from Wells County. How far can Eli Johnson go? He looked pretty good this weekend. Uh, we wrestled him in the finals there, and he ended up pinning us. Uh, but uh, that kid undefeated right now. I think he got the better draw probably on the top half. I mean, I, he's on the same side as what uh, Porter. Brody Porter, Porter, though. But well, didn't you guys take him down? We did. Yeah, we got the first takedown in the match. Takedown. It was 3-3, and then we got in a scramble, and he got a takedown right at the end of the first to go up 5-3 on us. And, and then, then you made him mad. Yeah, we kind of think so. <laughs> and then he pinned us. But uh, he looked tough. He looked tough all weekend. He was in some battles and never really flinched and mm-hmm. came out on top in all those matches. So that was the first time we seen him all year. Tough on top. Yeah, yeah I think that's, a, on that's one of those. You, you talk about 170. Everybody's going to be talking about Landon Buchanan from Jimtown and Hayden Shepard from Western. But I think – the guy who really wants to make some noise in Indianapolis is going to have to be the guy who wins semi-state. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so forget the draws. You're going to have to stand on the top of that podium if you're going to want to really make some noise, reach the semis, which I think is probably the goal of, uh, of some of those guys. You know, I don't know how strong the other 170-pound semi-states are, but that's, that's three really good kids, four really good kids coming out of Fort Wayne. And one of them isn't even going to make it out because they draw round to go. So. Yeah. For sure. I was really impressed with Braxton Russell, your sophomore. Yep. Uh, I've seen uh, Zach France. He's got two losses, I think, to Somerset. Yeah. Is that right? I think yeah. so. So I think that's a winnable match for, for Russell. And then, you know, Kamari Kirk, the 
big, strong kid from New Haven, and we've seen him wrestle several times. Uh, those are all going to be good <clears throat> ticket round matches at, at 170 pounds. Uh, at 182, and we'll give a shout-out to the general who I think is listening to it. Oh, he can't be listening to us now, but he will be listening to us later on when the pod comes general on. General Heavy Hands was our guest like three weeks ago. He said he, said he was at work, but uh, I think Dial Capone only needed like 80 seconds to make it through his three matches at regional. <laughs> he got a pin like in 18 seconds That's in the awesome. finals. So it'll be interesting to see what he can do against the likes of a returning state medalist in Hunter Page. I'm pretty well, sure they yeah, already wrestled this yeah, year. Yeah, they wrestled this year. And what was the? Him. I thought he pinned him. Yeah, I think he pinned him. He but it was like VZ pinned Page. That's his one. So. That's his I one loss. So. I think okay. He was in like third period though, so yeah. I don't know what the score was before that. Yeah. And then on the other side of the bracket, it's Jaquan East, and it's going to be an interesting matchup if Trevor Curry can get by Austin Ferris of Dwanger in the ticket round. As we'll have our <clears> eye on that one on WZBD. Scrolling down to 195 pounds, uh, Henry Kukulhan the highest-ranked wrestler in his quarter bracket. That's obviously something that you look for. He's got number five and number seven, though, in his quarter, so it's not going to be easy. Isaac Clay of Central Noble, and then a one-loss sophomore, Alex Deming from Rochester, potentially in the ticket round. Uh, I, I don't want to sound mean, but some of those kids in that Rochester area don't wrestle the quality of other teams that they do in Delaware County and some of the, like, they don't go to Al. Do they go to the Al Smith? I don't think. I don't uh, think Rochester do. doesn't go anymore. They used yeah. to. But i tell you what, uh, coming in with, with a one loss out of Rochester is not something that uh, a Delta guy or a Belmont guy is fearful of. But, you know, you talk about, and we talked about this all day yesterday, don't get upset about the place that you finish until you see your bracket. Mm-hmm. And we walked out of the gym yesterday you were ready to go home. I was ready to go to Petroleum. But, you know, Henry Kukulon down on himself probably a little bit. I, you know, I thought I had a chance to beat that Engineito kid. That but then good. you go and you look at the bracket, and who does Engineito need to beat? He needs to beat the winner of Nate Elliott from Huntington North and the number one ranked kid in the semi-state and the kid from Kokomo. So, you know, you just got to take those losses, take a deep breath, remember that you qualified for semi-state, and then take a look at your bracket. And remember, you don't need to worry about the other 12 guys at all. There's three guys in your bracket. And as we were saying earlier in the, in the segment, get in the state. That's the goal. Then you worry about your placement after that. Well, that's why they don't show the secret sauce so that you can't look <laughs> into the crystal ball and say, oh, guess what? I'm going to take a dive in the finals because I know i got a better draw coming out. And used to, you could figure it out. Yeah. Now they hide the secret sauce and... You know, Henry comes out smelling like one of those roses you're going to get from uh, your place over Bluffton. That's right. Absolutely. You guys need roses? <laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> okay, you got yours. <laughs> no, I'm good. Well, 220 has been one of the most talked about weight classes in our semi-state. A lot of talk on the board, a lot of talk in corners at tournaments and that kind of thing. The Carroll Regional was absolutely stacked at 220. Of course, we'd like to think that our 220 was also pretty stacked. We've got Blake Hirely, who's a returning medalist. We've got a guy who reached the semis at the Al Smith and Keegan Martin at Belmont. But, you know, Jelante Hinton, he comes back from suffering a loss at sectional and wins the Carroll Regional. You've got Hirely in the next quarter bracket. You've got Brady Beck from Rochester, who comes out as the one out of the Peru Regional. But then you've got a rematch between Dylan Bennett and Keegan Martin in the very first round. Then on the other side of the bracket, you've got Chance Harris, Joel Kennedy, 
and one loss, Isaac Benjamin from Northwood. You know, that's why I talked to these guys before we went on the air. It's like those were some of the biggest 220-pounders at our regional I've ever seen. You know, and, and those weren't those kind of guys that weren't in shape, that were too light, to, too couldn't beat out the 82-pounder, national 95. Those were men at 220. And the semi-state for Fort Wayne, there's even bigger guys coming in. But I tell you what, the class of our field is Hirely. Hirely is a beast. He oh, is yes. just ripped. Oh, yeah. i tell you what, you take, if, if we could get full wrestlebacks at 220 and you take our top six guys at 220, I'd take our chances with everybody else in the, in the state. You know, you, we talked that yeah. Muncie Central kid's huge. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. He's like, what, 6'3", six, 6'4", six, six, 220? Yeah. yeah. He's ripped, too. Yeah. They're all ripped. At 285, it might be a different story. <laughs> I love all those guys. I, I'm a big Ian Clifford fan. I'm a big Jason Orr fan. I'm so excited for Dalton Robinson to get to wrestle at semi-state. They get the Angola kid uh, in there. I'm even excited about Brandon Villafuerte from, from Angola. But I still worry about this class going forward into the state. I'm not sure. I don't think we've got a semifinalist here, but maybe I'll be surprised. You're excited. I can't pronounce his name, so I don't, I don't want to take his uh, You haven't, you haven't li- listened Bia, to enough, Mex- enough, enough uh, <laughs> Mexican football or Dominican baseball to be able to pronounce that. <laughs> but uh, you got Via Fuerte, and he could meet up against Juan Cruz. <laughs> Was it the most slow motion headlock in a regional final that you'd ever seen? I mean, it just kind of, we were able to. Like caught to, him with his elbow. <laughs> yeah, he he like just had an arm almost for yeah. the first 10 seconds, it seemed like, of the headlock. Well, we, I wanted to see someone wrestle Cruz because the last three weeks I've seen Cruz just come out and head hammer people until they got tired and he, and he beat them. And Orr went after him, headlocked him, put him down, and it, there was no match after that. Once he was down, he was down. Oh, yep. yeah. Uh, Dalton Robinson has number four, Marshall Fish, back from Rochester. Rochester with a lot of good. We can see why they finished so high at 1A <coughs> Team State. Just one loss, a senior, ranked 10th in the state. That's his first-round opponent. Uh, Parker Hennessy from Heritage on the other side. Jason Orr gets the young man from Oak Hill, who's ranked 7th in the semi-state, and Braden Jellison from Elkhart. i got to think, if you're Coach Bradley, and he's listening to the podcast, it's Monday now, he's listening to it on his iPhone, you got to be excited. You're the, the highest-ranked wrestler on your half of the bracket. This is your chance. I got my Muncie Central shirt. I got it, I got it clean. By the way, you guys owe us a little bit of Delta swag. Get I know. swag. I'll get you something. Yeah. Talk about Rex Brewer in 1984, fast-forwarding 28 years, thinking about wearing a Delta wrestling shirt <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> he would have told you, no way. In God's green earth, would he ever wear a Delta shirt? But well, you got to remember, times back, have changed. Back in 1984, I was refereeing all over the state, and I was looking for that stuff because I stayed away from Belmont for the first 15 years. So I was every corner of this state, and I saw some wrestling uh, that most people from Belmont never do. You guys talked about, oh, you didn't know what a semi-state anyplace else like. Did Seymour, did Fort Wayne, did uh, East Chicago Central, used to have it Maryville. I mean, there's, uh, did Newcastle a bunch. And Newcastle, I mean, Cody, for your first real time as a coach at Fort Wayne, it's going to be different for you because you're used to seeing, you know, Perry Meridian Cathedral. and it, uh, I've never been anywhere but the Newcastle semi-state. Yeah. Grew up watching it, wrestling in it, and coaching in it. So, yeah, it'll be different for me here now too. So. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, refereeing and wrestling in the bowl at Newcastle 
is very similar to Coliseum. That's you know biggest gym in Indiana. And There's a lot more space yeah. at Fort Wayne than the, that that uh, concoction that they have of weird cutout mats. It's a big hole in the ground. Yeah. It, it certainly is. So I, I'm certainly excited for for Saturday 8:30, and uh, I give a shout out to Coach Myers, and I'll share this picture with you. Took a picture. I, I, I guess that's at the Jay County locker room, but uh, 12 regional titles between those three guys we were going through talking about four-time regional champs so ike rubel now is a four-time regional four-time sectional four-time conference champ and he joins coaches gunsett and myers as people who've pulled off those feats and we were talking about ike's only loss at semi-state being to jared brooks his freshman year he's looking to become uh, a three-time semi-state champion nobody from belmont's ever won four semi-state titles and uh, the accolades keep accolades keep rolling in. The only thing that's keeping Ike from being up in the top three all-time in wins in Belmont history is the fact that Belmont missed 25 matches last year oh, yeah. because of COVID. Yeah. So he never he never actually really had a chance to catch John Sheets <laughs> because in John's era, you know, he graduated in 2003. Oh, they could wrestle. He finished 189 and nine. Yeah. You know, Ike Ike could have gone undefeated for four years and he wouldn't have gotten 198 wins you but. know mac taylor from newcastle comes in the state finals 53 and 0 oh yeah way to get yeah. 53 matches yep yeah I'm, that's because jeff and jen spent all those thursday or uh, thanksgiving weekends at, at valparaiso and <laughs> wawa c and all of those remember the viking invitational 10 day 10 tournament 10 10, 10 matches in uh, in two days and, yep. and all of those you no know, as, as coaches you guys you, you've been around him a little bit we've known ike since he was just a little kid but there's nobody nicer uh, in the world. That's what I was about to say. The first thing this uh, on the regional morning, we're walking across the mat, and I first thing comes up to me and says, "Hey, coach, how you doing?" And just talking to me and stuff. So I was like, "What a nice kid!" I was like, "You can't hate the kid. You've got to. You've always got to root for him, even if we've got to wrestle him." So. And you know, I will give him some credit too because there are so many expectations for him, and there have been for so long. Freshman year, he went down to state. I think he wanted a medal, but a lot of people expected maybe a seventh or eighth place finish because, like Bollinger, he was underweight. He wasn't a full 106 pounds, but then he, he, he breaks through sophomore year, makes it to the state finals. But then, you know, the next year, junior year, it was state finals or bust for him. Anything short of wrestling under the lights was going to be a disappointment. And I hate to say it, but it's going to be the exact same thing this year. People who aren't that familiar, who haven't seen it, who don't know the context, they're going to judge him by whether or not he makes it under the lights. And with Jeff and Jen here, they know that feeling. John won as a freshman. And every year that he finished third, half the people in the gym are like, oh, that's a disappointment. (laughs) No. The kid just made it. He finished third in the state (laughs) three years in a row. It was a huge accomplishment. And I remember uh, when I was still in high school, being over there at their house, trying to go through the record books and looking at how many people in the history of Indiana had ever finished top three all four years and what an accomplishment that was. Nobody should be judging Ike on whether or not he makes the finals this year. You know, that's a little story that uh, maybe, you know, Ike's telling his, his dad and his dad pulls him outside and it's like, you know, Ike finishes second and all of his buddies, ah, you'll win it next year. And he goes, no. They don't understand how hard it is. No. It's no. like you get, you get beat by Cotty in the finals. I mean, he got hammered by Cotty. He come back and kind of made it a match toward the end. I don't know if Cotty got tired, but, I mean, he got hammered by Cotty. And it's like you come back, okay, so uh, Logan Miller from Brownsburg, he's, he's a pud now, and you think because he's a senior you're going to come back and beat him? No, I mean, it is not easy to come back. And it's like, 
I took second next year, automatically it's going to give me a gold medal. And it don't happen that way. Nope. No. And very few people, other than those who are really, really close to him, know the amount of sacrifice that he's putting in right now to make 120. That's the other thing I said to him. I said, you're man, gonna I think see you're a, taller than me. You're going to see a different Ike Rubel this July on the golf course out here for the <laughs> Belmont Wrestling invite when uh, Abbott brings Foreman and all those other guys here. Okay, I'm going to throw my head cut, my, my weight cutting hat into the ring. I'm taller than Ike Rubel. My senior wrestled 19. I was thinner than he was. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's all kinds of other storylines, and, and you guys aren't, aren't from here and aren't aware of it, but, like, you go back to his great-uncle was a state champ, and, and, and his great-uncle on the other side in high school in the 1970s died in a car wreck and was, was a great wrestler for Belmont High School. And, and so one great-uncle, so you got marriage that brings the two families together, but, like, He's got grandparents and great-grandparents who have been through all of this way back in the 70s. They've been to the state finals. They've, they've had guys wrestle for state championships. They've, they've had tragedy. Like, he carries all of those families' expectations on his shoulders and does it without any thought. You don't, you don't realize it, and maybe we will someday, but he's carried a lot over four years. He you know. came in as the younger brother of John, who was a, a state semifinalist that came in. But he also carries that, that Schultz name, that Book name. Uh, his dad was a state qualifier. Uh, Paul was a great wrestler. I mean, he's had a lot of pressure over four years. And, and to carry himself the way that he has and to have that reputation like you guys talked about where everybody in the state knows Ike. Every wrestler's mom knows Ike <laughs> and, and, and loves him. Uh, that's, that's not easy to do. You know, Kent Book died in a car crash when I was a freshman in high school. His mom and dad are at every tournament today. They are still great, Tom, Tom and Marvin. So great grandma and great grandpa. You don't you don't see that a lot. They're there, sitting. They're the first people there at the Al Smith. They're the first people there at Huntington North. They're the first people there at a at a dual meet at Bluffton, and it just has a lot of support. And obviously, we're only you know thirteen days from now. The season's going to be over, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about what Ike's legacy is. But he's going to end up being in the top five all time in wins and. Um, I hope a three-time medalist and a four-time state qualifier and probably a three-time semi-state champ and, and all those other accolades. You know, so we, we really appreciate you guys making a drive up here from the Delta area. And uh, that's one thing that Dane prides himself on is, like, he's not afraid to get guests from all over the place. And like I said, 20 years ago, if you're talking about Belmont wrestlers, talking about talking about guys from Muncie South or Delta coaches – you know, we, we bring them all in, and I tell you what, we have great conversations every week, and we really appreciate you guys coming up. Oh, thanks for having us. It was awesome to be here. Especially yeah, uh, Bryce Bumgarner after he had some, had some <laughs> battles with Jacob Gray. It's like, you know, uh, you going to let him indicator? Yeah, we did. Well, we certainly look forward to uh, hopefully a renewed rivalry between Delta and Belmont. And I was just telling somebody yesterday at the basketball game, you know, everybody talks about all these seniors for Belmont and, and how they're going to lose so much. But you know what? Belmont advanced how many guys yesterday? Eight? Eight guys, yeah. And I'm going to throw Gavin Davis in there in the mix. Gavin <coughs> Davis would have been a semi-state qualifier. Let's call it nine. Would have, should have, could have. We'll take it. We'll take it. Only three of those guys are seniors. If you count Davis, six of them are going to be back next year. So Belmont's not going away, unlike I think some people thought that they were. Now, certainly they're not going to win Team State next year by 45 points or whatever <laughs> it was against Jay County this year. But I think 
we've got some really strong programs that are not just one-offs in Belmont, Garrett, Jay County, Delta, Oak Hill, Western, yep. Wawasee, Jimtown. Uh, I think we've got a really strong base for a renewed rivalry all the way throughout 2A. It's been a great show, and uh, we appreciate uh, all of our sponsors as well us to sit and talk about wrestling on a radio and on a podcast for an hour and a half. I'd like to thank all of our guests that came out in person, Kenny and his wife, Deshitsis, and uh, tune in next Monday night on Valentine's Day for our uh, Roses and uh, Hearts special. If from, that's uh, what you want to call it. Here from the Haggard uh, Septon Hershey's Elf High School. Oh, and we're going to have Assistant Commissioner Robert Falkins. Oh, it's a special Valentine's Day guest. Worth the price of admission, which is zero. But uh, <laughs> thanks a lot for tuning in. Thanks, Steve Rouse, for running board for us. And that's all for this week's episode.